Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 285, a celebratory uh, The Knicks Clinched the Playoffs episode. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPatton89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing? Doing all right. Good to hear. Uh, are, you, are you excited that the Knicks made the playoffs? Yeah, man, I, I posted a picture of Obi Toppin on TV with a do-rag and sunglasses or a bunch of liquor bottles. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, uh, I, I don't know, as long as you didn't post the picture of whatever the fuck he was wearing uh, before, <laughs> before the Cleveland game, I think we're okay, that feather-ass jacket he was wearing. Uh, but we are joined by first-time guest on the pod, but I'm sure there are many people that are familiar with his work, uh, his name is you can follow him at twit on twitter at it's r at r w h b r e w remnant if i remember correctly on twitter yes, sure. uh and, and and he goes by raw hebrew uh i'm just gonna call you mr raw there we go uh <laughs> how, how are you doing today you hey doing man today? anytime it's a Knicks win it's a good day but especially if it's a Playoff clinching win. It's a great day. So yes, we're doing good. That's that is good to hear. Uh, and if and if anybody doesn't know, uh, my man was one of the 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 first uh, content posters on YouTube. Mixed content posters anyway on YouTube. So uh, if you if you have not listened to his shit, check it out. Yeah, there was a there was honestly a few people before me that I followed. Um, there were like three different ones that before me there. Four, actually, that I followed. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been doing it a little bit. I think like three or four, three years. Maybe three years. Have you heard of, there's an old podcast in the day. It was the first Knicks podcast. It was by Mikey Cook's friend of the pod. And it was called the Tommy D Sucks Ass Pod. Have you heard of that? No, I never. <laughs> I think that, I heard that was actually the first Knicks blog. I've never but heard of you, that. You probably listened to that. That was a Mikey Cook's blog. I've never heard that before. Oh. Uh, looks like we lost Schwinn. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on. Um, so, know you're feeling pretty good. Um, you know, the Knicks played a team that was a little bit shorthanded tonight, to say the least. Obviously not a team trying to make the playoffs. Um, do you take much away from this game besides the obvious, like, oh, we clinched the playoff spot? In these type of games, Stacy, there's more pressure on a team that's trying to clinch. Yeah. So sometimes you'll get in your own way trying to clinch. And then with a team like the Wizards, like you said, they have nothing to play for except how high they're going to draft this year. But the young guys they put in would love to two things, to show out on Madison Square Garden floor. And then secondly, to not allow the Knicks to clinch. So that combination creates a synergy that what you saw today. So um, I discount, 
you know, any sloppy play from the Knicks because of those things. And then, of course, you have a guy like Obi Toppin who's playing for more than just this game. So that that those type of things, to me, combined for the game. So I look at it a little differently in terms of I don't super overanalyze the game. In this one, they played good enough to win, and that's really what they need to do, get that 46 win. And so I think this helps a lot. Now, it's, it's can we get, you know, how much more? Can we get? Can we get 48? I thought 45 or more, but now we got 46. So let's see, can they get 47 or 48? Yeah, I, mean, I think at 47, they would clinch, I believe. I think the tiebreaker is a little murky. Mm-hmm. But if they get mm-hmm. 47, I think they would be assured of the five seed at this point. So mm-hmm. uh, they asked Tibbs, you know, this is a great Tibbs answer. They asked them, like, would, um, you know, would you, um, you know, would you rest starters if you have, um, you know, if you're not, um, you know, would you rest starters once you clinch a playoff spot? He's like, I'm not familiar with the concept. Um, but he did say afterwards they have different goals. And then, you know, once those goals are met, so that to me was like, you know, if they get the five seed, you know, they might, they, probably guys like Brunson for sure. Yeah. Um, even guys like Robinson are quickly, they might reduce. But I think 47 is that number. I think someone posted about the tiebreakers today. I don't know if that's 100% right. So the game before this against Cleveland was the opposite of a meaningless game, right? That is the team we're most likely to be playing in the first round. Um, you know, obviously no Jared Allen, no Julius Randle, but it was still, and you see, um, I, my feeling was it was coached like a playoff game. It was. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. clearly directed Jalen Brunson to push, like, I've never seen the Knicks push off of free throws or off of made shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did that constantly. And you can tell why, because they wanted Jalen Brunson to hunt Donovan Mitchell and other players who couldn't guard him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Cavs have their own kind of checks on that and the way the Knicks decks dealt with traps the way the Knicks sent switches instead of traps those kind of things it felt like a playoff game um, so I'll say this if you don't have any takeaways from if you don't have any takeaways from the Wizards game did you have takeaways from that Cleveland game besides oh yeah being definitely. Awesome <laughs> oh yeah because um, like you said that was a playoff atmosphere right there and everybody the coaches the players were it was like a playoff game and I feel like they were pushing it because, in my opinion, they they run better with Obi on the floor than with Julius on the floor. And so um, they wanted to take advantage of that speed. And to me, once J- but who knew that Jalen was going to go 18 for 32 and drop 48, you know? So that kind of <laughs> eased that a little bit because they didn't need as much because the guy was just outrageous, you know, attacking. So, but it, it showed a couple of things. Number one, to me, this is not the Knicks of two years ago. This is not going to be that type of playoff series. They're not going to get beat for the one against Cleveland. And so this is going to be a dogfight, and that, that game showed it. Now, I think they're going to be a better team when Allen and um, Okoro return to the lineup. But I still think the Knicks could beat them. And so um, it's not going to be a slam dunk. It could, they could lose, but it, this is definitely a 50-50 battle right here this is not i know cleveland's going to be favored but i still think the knicks have a 50 50 chance of beating them in this in the playoff series um assuming both teams are full strength yeah. right yeah yeah and i'm assuming yeah even though i'd be honest with you i'm not i expect julius Randle miss the first two games and i still think the knicks can split in cleveland yeah wow. i actually so there are a couple of things uh first i want to just say this like 
I am in the process, actually, uh, of watching the Knicks play the Wizards tonight. I did not watch this game live. Um, I have I, I, the, the Evan Fournier uh, minutes are, uh, let's just say that it, it is very justifiable why he was dropped in the rotation and leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but, but like, I think a really underestimated element of all this stuff, and I've talked about this before in previous situations, like when the Knicks, the Knicks had that epic double overtime win, right, against Boston. And then they cut. That's a nine straight win. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. And the next game, right, they play the Hornets at home. And it's like, you know, they start off slow. They have this huge second quarter. Like, we're just going to steamroll them. But, like, they were not locked in really at any point in that game defensively. Um, and and I think, like, what people really underestimate is, do I think the Knicks are, like, a bad defensive team? No. Do I think that they're underperforming what they're capable of in defense? Absolutely. But I also just think, like, an 82 regular, an 82 game regular season has a lot of highs and lows, and I'm not just talking about highs and lows in terms of your on court performance, but also like emotional swings. And like sure. that game against Cleveland on Friday was followed by a win over like we can shit on Miami all right. we want, but they're still a rival and a that's a tough team to and, play. And that and that was a game that was like very, I mean it was it was an emotional high, right? It was like. You're playing this game, and I know, like, I, I thought it was kind of weird the way people were portraying it, where it was like, if like, if this is the biggest game they've played in like seven years, and I'm like, I, I don't know about all that. Like, it's important, but even if they lose this, they still control their destiny. It's a very important game, but it's not like the end of the world if they lose it type of deal. But it it, yeah. it was an important game. You could sense that level of importance. And I don't, I don't think they. There's never, sorry, there's never a non-important game against my. No, I, you know, I, so. I'm with you, and and like, but my thing is just like. You know, it it was a it was a big game, and they won that game. And then you go and you play this game against Cleveland on Friday, right? You get the news that Julius Randle, your All Star All NBA forward, he's out. He's going to miss a bunch of time moving forward, and um, it, it's like this huge thing. And then you got to go play this game against Cleveland, who is I mean, look, no matter what anybody says, these two franchises for as long as Donovan Mitchell is there are inexorably tied together. They are tied together. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is always going to be part of the narrative when they play each other. And you go and you play this game, right? Jalen Brunson, his second game back after injury, he goes off. He goes shot for shot with Mitchell. He outperforms Mitchell. I mean, you like you you mentioned this, uh, and and it's like, you know, the speed, the tempo, the, that entire game, the intensity of it is is a totally different thing. And you win this epic game, right? And and not just you win it, but the way they won. Both these games, the Miami game and the Cleveland game, down the stretch were like really they just locked the fuck in on defense and bludgeoned those teams. Like they bludgeoned. I mean, that last four minutes against Cleveland, that is probably the best defensive stretch in a key moment I've seen from the Knicks since like 2000. I'm not even joking when I say mm-hmm. that. Like I, mm-hmm. like last night for whatever reason, my YouTube was suggesting all kinds of like. Oh, 99 Knicks, 2000 Knicks. So I was watching some of these games and I'm like, yeah, look, like the defense is great, but they're not like you, like you watch the league now and you watch the league then. Like there's a physicality to that era that is unique to itself. But the stress that you like, that the talent level in the league and like what skill sets are in the league now put on defenses stretches you in a totally different way. And you look at the, like, I'm not going to turn this into a shit on RJ Barrett All I'll say is that like, that closing lineup against Cleveland, right? It's it's Brunson, and then you've got Quick, 
Ar- or Grimes, Hart, and Hartenstein. Those four guys behind Brunson, who is, let's be quite honest, is a defensive liability. They have the capacity to trap, to recover out to the shooter, run them off the line, make a second rotation, make a third rotation. Like, they can do all of those extra effort things to cover for the fact that he is a liability on defense. And they executed stuff in that closing stretch against Cleveland that I don't, like, this is a, I truly mean this is a credit to Tibbs, that I think he has struggled with to coach guys up on, like, trapping. And just, like, what are your rotations after a trap? Where do you go? Like, I remember games early in the season where he would try to, like, oh, we're going to go small now. We're going to trap. And it was like, yeah, this doesn't work if nobody has any idea what to do once they, like, beat the trap, like, where the rotations go. Anyway, the point is, though, like, you win this epic emotional game. You get the news yesterday that this team, Washington's three best players are out, right? And then you get the news before tip-off that Monty Morris is also out. And that's literally four-fifths of their starting lineup from opening day. And on top of that, like, again, you're coming off these emotional highs. And they didn't tell you that they traded for Steph Curry and put him in Corey Kispert's By the way, no. People just don't know. They haven't been watching Wizards. Kispert's been... No, Kispert's legit. I think a lot of... of, He was a Knicks target. Yeah, he's been balling since the All-Star break, especially. It was the shit when he would drive in and hit a contested midi that went off the back of the rim, bounced five feet in the air, and went in. That was stuff. I will take your word for it, because as I said, I have not watched this game yet. Um, But, like, my point is, I'm okay that this game wasn't perfect as I'm watching right now. I'm okay that, like, there was a little bit of a letdown. Because I think it's absurd to expect these guys to just be perfect throughout. And you look around the some of the games today around the league, right? Minnesota, full strength. They lost to Portland running a skeleton squad out there. The Kings, who have been awesome. They've been on a tear. They lost to the fucking Spurs today at home. And the Spurs are the worst team in the Western Conference. The, they have the worst net rating in the league by like a full point and a half coming into today's games. Like, did you see Denver, coach must Denver, suck. Denver lost to the Pelicans a couple yeah. of nights ago by 19 in yep. Denver. And then Boston destroys the right. Bucks by 41 is, in, in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, like, like the regular season, I, and, and we all, like I do this all the time, right? We all forget it. Like it's a long season. There are always going to be weird results. That's the right. importance right. of it is like, do you get the results that you need? And the Knicks got the result they needed today. And, like, ultimately, if there were some things that sucked about the performance, fine. Like, you deal with that and you move on. But let's be real. Evan Fournier is not going to play a fucking single playoff moment. He's not going to play a single minute in the playoffs. No, but but that's what was kind of impressive was that, like, they played one... I mean, I was talking with Rahibur about this before. They played, like, somewhere between one and two quarters of actually good Nick basketball. I would lean closer to a quarter. And they still scraped them. That's like that's the funny uh, part of that is because the Wizards aren't very good. But like this team, like if they played the way they gave against the Cavs, you know they would win by forty. Well, it's like I mean, it's but like it's a good it's a sign of a good team when like and, you can just like mail it in and still well, win. Look, we're all Knicks fans, so we've all sat through you know eighteen years, nineteen years, twenty years of just of of game. And of, on the twentieth birthday, you found out it wasn't even his. <laughs> But but like we've we've seen games where we're the wizards, right? Where we're the wizards, and it's like for a half, for three quarters, we're like, oh man, we're in this, we're fighting the good fight, we're right there, and then the other team is like, okay, we're gonna try now, and it's over, it's over in like five minutes. That's guess what? Good teams aren't good just because they play hard for forty eight minutes a night. Good teams are good because 
they can take halves off against inferior opponents and then just dial it the fuck up and 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 take 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 it down and like that I, if anything i'm actually encouraged a little bit by what we've seen from this team in in recent weeks where it feels like like there's games where i'm like are you like i'm not saying you're not trying but you're probably not like as focused as you maybe should be um i think we've seen that especially with you know julius or julius on defense a bit jalen on defense a bit i think even quick's defense over the last week or so two weeks has dipped a little bit uh like grimes had a stretch earlier in the season where it was like i was like do you remember how to fight over screens like are, are you are you good like but th- these are these, these are parts of you can get away with this stuff and get the talent and i guess ultimately all i'm saying is like as i'm watching this game it feels like whenever the knicks actually needed a bucket or they needed to get a stop or they it feels like okay we we can do this um and the key part is like again they won by nine points. At, like, I think I when I checked the score, they were probably like yeah, twenty in the right. fourth. They so. they they fucked around. And like like I was saying before, like they were throwing like lob. They threw a ton of lobs and missed a ton of lobs. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, they were. I thought they were messing around a lot. Knew that the other team wasn't a match for them, which is dangerous. But now that we have to win, I'm like, all right, it's it's, fine. it's dangerous, but it's one of those things. Like you you have to let. Again, it's a long regular season. Sometimes you have to let these guys fuck around. Like, you got to let them just, you know, have a little fun sometimes. And I'm sure... And I, it also seems like a team that's just like, we're a playoff team. Like, it seems like a team for a while. Like, when they had to play Charlotte. And, like, I think this is part of the emotional letdown thing. It's like, you play Boston, you go to double yeah. overtime. And you know that, all right, like we've accomplished, we've done this, we've beaten Boston, we've beaten all these teams, we have a good record. The next step, like the season's success is going to be judged on can we win in the playoffs? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm judging it like that. I think that it should still be viewed as a success if they get the five seed or whatever. And I'm saying like the next, the next goal for them is to like do something in the playoffs because they've already proven that they're a good regular season team. And then after a win like that, where you're like, that was a step to show that we can beat Boston in Boston Garden. We can take down Donovan Mitchell on a night when he's, you know, shooting flames out of his ass. And then you have to go back and play Washington. Then you have to go back and play Charlotte. And in those games, then you have to go back and like, oh my. And then like, yeah, like as annoyed as I am that Tarian Prince is going 10,000 for 10,000 from three or like Kispert is cooking them. I'm sure it's way worse for them. They're like, bro, I just want to get to the playoffs. Leave me alone. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But the point I'm making is like it has felt a lot at times like a team that's just like the next challenge is the playoffs. Like when we play playoff teams, we're going to try to show out. But other than that, it's tough for them to get up for a matchup. It has felt like that to me for a couple of weeks. I, I have trouble taking seriously anyone that at the beginning of the season was saying the Knicks would not make the play in. Or because the East is so much better, they're only going to win 37 games, but they'll be better than they were last year with the same 37. I have a problem with those people trying to claim that unless they win this playoff series, this is a failure. I agree. That That is that is absolutely ridiculous. That, that wasn't what I was trying to say. What I'm saying is that I think for the Knicks themselves, the next goal for them as a team. Well, as a franchise. Their mind as a franchise. Like, yeah. but not, like if, you're, if, you're, if you're Jalen Brunson, if you're Emmanuel Quickly, 
like your goal is like if you're like if you just beat the Heat and the Cavs or you beat the Celtics, like and then you have to come back and play the Hornets or you have to come back like I think they I would don't you think they'd probably have a little bit of a tough time getting up for that because the next like the next it's not how they're going to be judged it's like the next thing they want to find out about themselves is can we win a playoff series? Well, they do. It, it would right now because of the team that they have and the growth maturity of the players they drafted for the most part, and then adding important pieces like a Jalen Brunson and a Josh Hart. If you bring, and I've been saying this for a while, you bring this exact same team next year, they are 50 plus win team. And I would say next year, they must win a first round series next year, this year to finish in the fifth seed in a battle with Cleveland that goes six or seven games. I'll take that as a success for this year. But next year, I'm looking for them to win. Now, if they happen to beat Cleveland and win the first-round series, first of all, you're going to see New York City go <laughs> absolutely insane if they do that. Absolutely wild. So, And it's going to be fun. But um, And they could do that. But to me, just finishing in the fifth seed and seeing the development of Quentin Grimes Seeing, the de- seeing how the team has moved forward with Jalen Brunson, seeing the development of Emmanuel Quickly and Mitchell Robinson and guys like that. And Deuce. I'm and Deuce. Very, like, and yes, yeah. I'm very happy with what they have done. So to me, just this is right now, we've, we've gotten a successful season. Now let's see, like you said, can we win a playoff series? How quickly can we get to that next level? Because next year, it's got to be, you got to win at least one round. You've got to finish in the top five or four, and you got to win one round. And that, I, I agree with that to an extent, but I'm saying in the meantime, do you think that for the players on the floor, the Charlotte game, the Washington game, do you feel like they like are almost like, ugh, like I just want to get to the... Yeah, you know, yeah, because see, like you, you guys have been saying, so they play Boston and Boston, double overtime. No Brunson. Then no they Brunson lose, in that game. Right, and they lose to Charlotte. But you understand that, and it's not, I don't believe it's like them purposely turning it on and off. It's just harder to get yep. up yeah. for some games than it is for others. You it's see, not going to be hard for them to get up for the playoffs. And, and just, They're going to be up Just for watch the, the Warriors this year. Like, the Warriors, you yeah, can visibly right. see them, like, I watch a lot of their games because I just, like, you know, they're they're late, like, they're West Coast team, so you got to get them out to the Knicks. Steph is one of my, like, probably my one of my favorite, one of my five favorite players ever. Like, so it's like, I'm always mm-hmm. tuning in to watch them, but it's like, you can literally just see games where even that, so they beat, they beat the Pelicans, right, earlier this week. And in that game, they were down 20. And it's like, you can just see, like, they're mailing it in. And then the Pelicans started chirping a little bit, right? They started chirping a little bit. And then it was like, all right, well, you're going to fuck around and find out. Because, like, you woke us up. And people have talked about this with, like, Jordan, right? There's that there's that story that um, J.R. Ryder talks about where he's talking about, you know, they're playing the Bulls and they're, like, up after three quarters and J.R. Ryder's having a good game. And Kevin Garnett, who's like a first or second year player in the league, you know, he's like feeling really, you know, he's feeling real good. And he's like, he's like, he can't guard you. Like when they're walking to the bench, you know, Mike can't guard you. And then, you know, Mike comes down the fourth quarter and he's Mike. And it's like, you don't, like, don't wake up a sleeping giant. But also, it's hard for those teams, for good teams at times when like they're playing an opponent where you're like, they shouldn't even be on the floor with us to get up for it. It's hard. But the problem is at the NBA level, if you're not up for it on a given night, they'll get punished. You get yeah, beat. You'll get. Yeah, you get beat. You'll yeah. get punished. You get beat. Now I remember um, the Lakers once. James Worthy. They had a team that 
with Jabbar, yeah. Magic, Worthy, Michael Cooper. They had a team that pretty much stayed together for most of the 80s. And Worthy made a comment that I'll never forget, and it's true. He said, most nights we are so in sync, it's just like it's just us and the basketball. Like it, there, there's no opponent. And when teams are so in sync in the cotton, like you mentioned the Warriors. So you're talking about Draymond, yeah, Steph, yeah. Clay. You know, Thompson, Clay, you know, so, so they're so in sync having won four championships that the opponent almost is irrelevant. And now they got, I think, a new injection with Wiggins. Yeah. You know, when Wiggins comes back, I, I now favor them to, to be higher than they might have been without him. To me, he was the key for them winning the last championship they won. So, but they're so in sync with what they do that, yeah, it's hard for them to get up some games, but they've won enough chips to know, you know, like you said, any given night, a team could beat us, you know, and they know that. But when they need to be the Warriors, they're the Warriors. And and I think, like, to, to what you're talking about there, so much of that is just, like, when you've played so much basketball together, you almost right. instinctively, like, know where, I know where he's going to be, I know where he's going to be, I know right. who's going to bring right. it tonight, I know who's going to, who maybe had two drinks too many last night, like, you know all these things. And like this, like what I love about this Knicks team, and I got to say this, I just want to say this, to be honest, I love this Knicks team more than any Knicks team since 99. Like, I think there is, they feel like, like as great as that 2020, 2021 season was, that was like a very try hard, we're going to work our mm-hmm. ass off, we're going to run more than you, we're going to just, it, this was, it, it was not like a, a team blessed with a bunch of talent. It was a team right. that just grinded and grinded and grinded. Yeah, definitely overperformed. Yeah. Definitely overperformed. And, and this yeah. team feels different because yeah. it's like, one, you actually have real talent. And then, two, on top of that, like, there are guys now, like, like Julius, I'll be totally honest, like, it's not my favorite player. And I still, like, and I'll say this, we're 2-0 without him. I know that doesn't, I'm not invalidating his season at all. But it's like, there's a there's a play style difference when he's on versus when he's off that I think is like worthy of a discussion. Anyway, my point is like Julius has been here now. This is his this is his fifth year I think with the Knicks. Okay, uh, 2019, 20, 2020, or so fourth, fourth season. Yeah. Four, yes, yeah, his fourth season. Fourth season yeah, yeah. This is RJ's fourth season with the Knicks. This is Quickly's third season. Mm-hmm. This is Obi's third season. Like you have and like Brunson, I know he just got here, but like that motherfucker may as soon as Leon Rose signed, like you know he may as well have just been a Nick, right? But there are guys, and even Tibbs, right? Tibbs has been now been here his third year. Leon Rose, this front office, we know this about this franchise. Um, there, there, there isn't there. There's not continuity. Isn't we're not we've not been blessed with continuity. Is probably the best way to put it. Right, right, right. That we have that continuity now, and it feels like we're building with something. And then we have talent. And then, like you mentioned, you see the development of quickly Grimes, Deuce, who is good and i think would be a rotation player on a lot of teams but because of the talent level our team isn't i mean you just see all this stuff coming together you see a trade like the heart trade you know the heart trade is such a just smart team building trade like it, it just makes so much sense and it it feels like this team has come together in a very nice organic way and on top of it this season they've had right like they've had a lot of ups they've had a lot of downs but they've battled through a lot of things and they've come out on the other side of those things better for it. Right. And I just Mm -hmm, feel mm -hmm. like there's a real character and a real bond with this team that, that really like, I don't know. It speaks to me as a fan, as corny as that sounds. Like I feel like an actual connection with this roster, with the guys on this team. 
And, um, you know, it's like, it's like why when RJ Barrett has a bad stretch of games, I'm like, I hate you right now. Not because I actually hate you. It's because I love you. It's because I love you. I want you to be good. I'm so invested in you being good. And it's, it's rough to see that, but it's because you actually care about this team. Um, and I just think like, you know, I, I just, I honestly just can't say enough about the competitive level of this team in terms of like, they, again, they like, like that Dallas loss they had earlier in the season. I was like sick about that game for like three or four days. I was sick about that game. And it felt like, yeah, but didn't they come back the next night and no, start the eight game? No, no, they, no they, that was, that was after the eight game winning streak. Uh, but they lost to they lost the next game to San Antonio, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was okay. like, I was like, okay. oh man, is this like, are, is this are we gonna get the Knicks experience now? Are we gonna have like you know? And every time you thought maybe they're gonna let go of the rope, maybe it's falling apart. It it, it hasn't, and you know why it hasn't? Is because they're actually a good team. They're actually a good yeah. team. And um, again, I just can't say enough about like, you know, I've been really critical of Tom Thibodeau. I've been critical of various Knicks, Julius Randle specifically. But, like, all these guys have contributed to the season we've had. And all of them deserve the credit for it. Um, and it's really nice that they won this game tonight and they took care of business and whatever. And, you know, if you want to sit here and people want to nitpick this thing, that thing, whatever, cool. But, like, I think it's okay for one night to just be like, hey, the Knicks won an imperfect basketball game. And that's okay. Because they're not a perfect team. But they have definitely outperformed the general expectations that people had for them. Um, and, and I, and I don't just mean that in terms of players, like I think Tibbs, this is easily to me, like his development this year as a coach, I'm, especially the last two months, like extremely impressed by it. Extremely. Imp- I, I had, I had said before the season, this would be his best coaching job. And that it really is not any change in him. It's what is the, it's the stars aligning between who, the, the way he puts his rotations out. And the players that he puts his ro- in his rotations coming of age so that they can get in his rotations, which, you know, I know myself, I was frustrated last year that he didn't play like a deuce more minutes. And he starts to say something like Alex Burke is our favorite, is our best option at point guard. That kind of stuff was driving me crazy, but it's just how he thinks. Whereas this year we were going to have, I believe we were going to have IQ running it if we didn't get Brunson. But we got Brunson, so we had a point guard. So now with that, and then guys like Obi, guys like Deuce, guys like yeah, I didn't know we were going to get Josh Hart, but Quentin Grimes, I, I felt like Quentin Grimes was going to be the starting two guard in July, and mm-hmm. so I knew that this would be his best coaching job because everything was aligning together with his style for this to work. And a lot of people were, were to me were a little short sighted because. They didn't come out the gate well, but if you look at it, Tibbs' teams never come out the yeah, gate well. True. They always do better in the second half of the season, always. And then it's just so ironic that two years ago, they made a trade for Derrick Rose at the deadline, yes. and then he catapults them into the fourth seed. With, with the, they went like nine in a row. This year, they do the same thing. They get Josh Hart, and they went nine in a row still. So it's it's just a lot of parallels, but it was going to be – they were going to play their best ball at this stage. Miami's very similar, defensive-oriented coach, a gritty team. They always play their best basketball down the close of the season. Um, and so th- th- that was coming. Now we're going to see playoff Tibbs, playoff Brunson. You're going to see how this works out. Well, Tib- Tibbs to me is the big – like for him, I feel like the playoffs is really important. And I don't care. I'm with you. Like 
I don't care if they like, if they. I mean, I care. Obviously, I love that they win the series. I want them to win the series. But if they match up against Cleveland, like, and I, I, I want to open this up to both you guys. What I thought, my main takeaway from that game on Friday was this. Okay, there were a lot of people that were like, "Well, they didn't have Jared Allen." Okay, and and there's two parts of this that I just reject entirely. The first being, we've beaten them with their four guys. Like we beat them when they've had Allen, Mobley, Garland, Mitchell. We've already seen that. Okay, and I think one of those games we didn't have Mitch. So, like, I I don't I don't think like we only won because they didn't have Jared Allen. That's bullshit to me. Second, when they don't have Jared Allen and they have to play Mobley at the five, guess what happens? The spacing gets a lot better for them offensively, a lot better. And guess what happens? It's a lot harder to defend Donovan Mitchell when you're like, well, if he gets by me, he's just gonna yam it because. The, the defense is like way more spread out. Um, but like, that is the best offensive spacing the Cavs are ever going to have. And you took their best shot. You took their absolute best shot. I mean, Mitchell in that first quarter, especially, that was an unbelievable performance. And you were down five. And like, yes, of course, Brunson going off helps, right? But between him and Garland, those guys were balling out. And you just kept staying in the game. You kept staying in the game. You kept staying in the game. And once they cooled off, once they came back down to earth, it was over. Like, it, it really was over because, to me, I thought the entire game the Knicks were getting better quality shots than the Cavs were getting. Um, what? Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I was just going to say, like, my thing with watching that game, I was like, I was like, and we don't have Julius Randle. So, like, to me, I watched that game and I'm like, I know, like, Tibbs may not lean into it and that's his own thing as a coach. That's, like, one of his things he maybe has to get over. But, like, this team has a variety of of options, of lineups, of looks they can give you. They have a variety of play styles they can give you. I think RJ had a very interesting comment after the game where he mentioned how, like, he said basically that, and he also mentioned how, like, you know, when, like, I mean, and and Donovan Mitchell even mentioned this after the game where he's like, when Julius isn't in there and Obi is, the tempo increases, and you got to run with these guys, and that's a totally different thing. But we've also seen them, when they play with Julius against that Cavs team, they're really physical and they can just beat the shit out of these guys inside and like that's the thing that stood out to me about that game and i was like okay we didn't have the same offensive physicality raw brute force that julius brings to the table but we could beat them a different way and at the end of the day defensively i thought we were physical with them and i thought we made them feel us throughout the game and and when you keep it's like a a, you know a, a boxing fight right it's like heavyweight boxers you just keep keep going keep going and that 10th, that 11th, that 12th round, your opponent starts to feel it. And maybe his his guard I mean, drops a little bit and he he can't he can't counter. And like that's what it felt like to me. I mean, especially that last four minutes, I, I again I just can't get over that. Where it was like you took their soul. They they had nothing coming down the stretch of that game. They they were just flailing for options. I mean, you had Garland on a fast break, just desperately trying to draw contact, like just jumping into quickly, hoping to get a call. And and when you see stuff like that again, like my my main takeaway though was the Knicks have a lot. They have a counters. They have depth. They have a lot of different ways they can present their talent. Cleveland doesn't have that. Cleveland does not have that. The thing is though, I mean, I am not trying to make an excuse for Cleveland, but they are the second best defensive yep. team in the NBA. They only give up 107 points a game. They gave a 130 to the Knicks. So so that's. And and I feel like that's I mean like you said I agree with you the Knicks but you if I'm correct in, in regurgitating a little in the shortest sense what you said is they can beat you in a number of ways the Knicks they can beat you in more than one way which obviously they've shown 
But without both Allen and Okuru on the same night in a playoff-type atmosphere, that's going to be pretty tough for them. And that's why they had to have a guy like Mitchell go off and try to outscore the Knicks because they were not going to just the right. Knicks were not going to just be held 107 points, right? And they have like the second um, biggest point differential. They have like a five-point point differential. So for the Knicks to beat them by 14 was a major, you know, like you said, that just shows they can beat you. And like you said, they beat them with full strength and without And, and they're 30-9 so, at home now after that game. So, like, they're a great home Yeah, game. so they're yeah. tough, man. They're very tough. But the Knicks, like you said, if the playoffs are played the way they normally are played, which means – you're going to have a lot of half-court physical basketball. Uh, I like the Knicks' chances in that, especially when Julius comes back. I like the Knicks' chances. Stacey, thoughts? Um, I actually – I think it helps to get physical with Mobley. Um, it's pretty – like Mitchell Robinson dominated him on the glass. Hartenstein was very effective on the glass. Shout too. out Hartenstein, by the way. He's been awesome the last couple of months. Awesome. He's been fucking. If he played like this all year, he'd be stealing a manual quickly. Six man of the year, <laughs> at least in my eyes. Um, but um, I'm, that's not. <laughs> no, a joke. I know he's, he's, been awesome. he's been awesome. Um, but um, but with um, I actually I'll push back a little bit because I'll say I think a big part of why the Knicks were so successful offense. Going back to preseason, we saw that when the the Cavs have two bigs in, when they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in. And Jalen Brunson, you know, gets downhill in the half court with a defender there. It was tough for him to finish over that length, even from that 10 to 15 foot area. That's just like they can throw you multiple bodies. They can mess up. They can they can throw a Jared Allen at you, send a help defender to tag Julius and still have Evan Mobley waiting on the the lob to Mitch. Um, So I think, you know, even without Jared Allen, and then they also have guys like Lamar Stevens, who they threw at uh, Jalen Brunson a lot. So I think what Tibbs, one of his best strategies was like, again, running off of makes. I thought that that was very important for them to play with that pace. And so um, I think that it's kind of the, like, I think that should be kind of a, they want to do both. Like, if you can get Jalen Brunson the ball with a head start, or quickly did this too, by the way. Quickly had a few transition buckets where he just caught them napping. If you can get downhill and force them to, to, to keep up with that before they can get that defensive set, defense set. And they do, I mean, the Cavs have some shitty defenders. The Cavs also have Mobley, Allen, Okoro, Stevens. Um, you know, they have good defenders. So if you can get them down there and, and specifically you can get, I mean, I think the, the way the Knicks treated that game was to hunt Donovan Mitchell out at all times. They got down in transition, and they said, Brunson, if you get Mitchell on you, cook. If they got down in transition and the Cavs got set up, they said, whoever Mitchell is guarding, whether that's IQ, whether that's Hart, whoever that is, go set a screen for, for Brunson and get that switch. And if they don't switch, if they hedge, you know, find the outlet. I mean, they they, they killed the Cavs. Uh, but to answer your question, I think pace is going to be have to be a part of it. That's number one. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep pushing the ball once Randall comes back. I'm a little more optimistic than other people. We've saw that even last year, they were able to play it for with high pace for times with um, with Randall. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is that um, you know, on the other, I, I think that the, the Cavs are really in a bind because um, you know 
if you you if you want to punish the, the Knicks at full strength, can put Grimes on on Mitchell, and they can put RJ on Garland, right? And I think that at full strength, the Knicks would hide Brunson on. Um, yeah, they, Brunson could him, on, they could put him on anybody <laughs> except Allen, you know, pretty much so whoever's going to be hanging outside. That's yeah, so they put him on Okoro. Okoro has been yeah. shooting better, but he's yeah. not a shooter. You, you, no, the he team, with, if, if Okoro's going to get 12 shots, yeah, I'll right. take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, we, yeah. Want, we want Okoro shooting 20 <laughs> shots. Shoot as many well, it's, even like, it's even like when the Knicks put quickly on Smart, and quickly is a better defender than Brunson, but even if they put Brunson on Smart, if the Celtics countered us as let's post up Marcus Smart and ISO him, 12, 15, 20 times a game, like that's a win for us. Uh, so you do that. Um, so the, the Cavs are in a bind where they could do that or they can play Levert to say, we're going to punish you. But then you're in a situation where now you lose the ability to put Okoro on Brunson on offense, right? So they're in that kind of tough spot. And that, the thing, one thing I'll push back on with Swin is that, um, sorry, Schwinn. Schwinn. Schwinn Cash. Finish. Right here. Cash. You may not recognize oh, okay. me. Uh... <laughs> so the um. Oh shoot! The... I was gonna say Swin Cash. That's a, he's looking. I mean, she's a little bit prettier. <laughs> Less facial hair for sure. <laughs> um, the the spacing. I would push back to those. I don't think the Cavs really have a great spacing lineup. Because Lamar Stevens, then at least Tom Thibodeau doesn't seem to oh, think yeah, so. No, because doesn't... the Knicks were willing to leave. Lamar Stevens wide open. Um, you know, if they go a core at the four, they'll do the same thing. So uh, the only guy that really had success there was G- Dean Wade, but the Knicks killed him on the glass. Uh, Osmond was um, pretty good in this game, too. Yeah, yeah but did Osmond play the four at all? That's I think the only he thing. played a little bit. He didn't play the four. He played, he played three mostly, yeah. but he, he did play a little four. Okay, so yeah, so those are the two guys at the four. Um, but they're going to get killed up. Especially by Randall, but even Obi and, and with Mitch, they had success. And a lot of times they have to box out Mitch because if Brunson gets the paint, Mobley has to come help. So, like, the thing is, like, there are a lot of, I don't want to say no win situations for the Cavs, but the Knicks have the ability to put a lot of very tough situations on the Cavs. They match up well with them, the Knicks do. They're two teams in the East I, I really like. They match up well with Boston and they match up well with Cleveland. Um, so I, yeah, and, and the Boston I, I like thing, the, I didn't like before the season. I didn't see that. Like I didn't see us matching up well with them. But I agree with you. Like we won the season, and that was before like RJ kind of had a not great right, defensive right. season. And it, right? You would think that if you told me before the season that I mean I knew Boston's best two players were their wings, and you said also your you know star wing prospect is going to have a bad defensive year. I was like, how would we outplay them? But you know they've they've done better almost. Well, I, I think else, the main so. thing with them is, and this has been a problem for them going back to last year. And I think it was a big reason why they lost in the finals. I mean, obviously Steph is he gives everybody problems, but they're just not. They don't defend guards very well. Like Brunson has torched them quickly. Has torched them this year. Like they don't defend the guard, and, and I think it's actually gotten worse now because Smart to me looks like he's lost a half a step. He's not as good as he was last year or the year before defensively to me anyway. Um, but like, yeah, I agree with you. I think we match up well with both those teams. And I'm actually curious about this because I know uh, I, I, it's it's good that you're on with Stacy, who is part of the same uh, belief as you here. And that belief is that Deuce McBride should be playing many minutes. He should play a lot. And I think you, you were a big proponent of his 
when we drafted him, uh, Raw Hebrew. Yeah, me. at West yeah. Virginia. Yeah, I wanted him and yeah. Grimes. Those are the two guys. Well, actually, I wanted Deuce and I wanted um, Murphy the third. Okay. Those are the two guys I really wanted. But uh, Murphy the third went earlier, and then I wanted Grimes. I had Grimes behind um, uh, Murphy. Yeah, III. and I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I thought, I thought a reason why we did not not that he was you know driving the team or anything, but like. I love Deuce in this matchup with Cleveland. I think he is like the type of defensive guard that is like you want him on the floor against Garland. You want him on the floor against somebody like Donovan Mitchell. Um, Like my honestly, one of my concerns is if we're at full health against Cleveland is that he doesn't see the floor Uh, because I just think he's such a problematic guy for them. Very specifically, very, very specifically. He matches up with their guards. Very well, and I wanted to say raise this because Stacy has always he has kept the faith with Deuce through his shooting struggles uh, so far in the league. He's consistently maintained that you know if the shot comes around, we're talking about a very clear plus plus rotation player. I and mean, honestly, yeah, Mike yeah. Mike Bream said if he got starred as minutes, he'd be All NBA defense, and, and that takes more than just defense. Like I'm telling you, the thing is, we've got guys like him and Obi that. They, they can't play those spot minutes. They just, that's not their game. But if you let them sweat, you let them get 20 minutes or more, you're going to see a different player. And so I wasn't worried about his shooting because it's a function of the fact that he's coming in cold. He gets 30 seconds here or three minutes here. You, I don't expect him to shoot in those situations. He's out there for defense. But the times that, and I think it's statistically proven, and if he gets 20 minutes or more or 15 minutes or more, the Knicks win like 70% of those games. So... Um, just for that, I would <laughs> I would have him in the lineup, you know, for just for that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the form, there's nothing egregious there. He's a 40% three-point shooter in college, good free throw shooter in, in the pros. Um, you know, I, I've never been concerned about that. And I don't think, and for what it's worth, I mean, watch how defenses, do defenses treat him like he's, you know, Andre Roberson or something? No, they close out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not, um, it's like defenses, no, he can shoot. You can look at him and shoot and like, oh, that's a shooter. He misses a lot, but it's fine. And I do like that he's been more aggressive. His feel has gotten better. I liked him. I, I think the one thing is that, nice connection the one thing in college, a great connection with Hartenstein. The one thing with him is like, he's built, I mean, he's a football player in high school. He's yeah. built like a linebacker. Oh, yeah. He's built like a big dude. And I don't see him being physical on his takes as much. He's starting to get that. And that was in college. That was the thing for me. I was like, you know, he he was he used to take a he was really good at put uh, pull up mid range, really good at pull up threes, but he didn't get to the rim much, despite being a big dude with good athletic ability. And I was like, well, he's playing with two bigs. You know, it could be a spacing issue. But that was what's really been worrisome to me. It's like that's fine. Like if he's just. If it's, if he turns into Javon Carter, like that's not a bad thing at all. Um, but um, I like in college, I was really high on his upside because I was like, man, if he gets to play without those two bigs and he gets to like put that because I know nobody wants Deuce McBride's shoulder in their chest. Yeah, oh, if he gets to do that, he could really be a lot more than he's shown. And um, you know, he's starting to be more aggressive off the dribble. I think the next step is becoming more physical. He plays with two of the more physical guards in the league and quickly in Brunson. So hopefully he's absorbing from them in practice. But um, 
but he's a plus player. Like, if Deuce McBride is your 10th man, you know, like, I, I mean, no offense to the Frank Hive. Schwinn, maybe you disagree. I don't know. Like, Deuce is better than Frank we're not, ever we're was. Oh, we're not, come on, guys. Guys, I'm guys. Not, Hey, I was I was Frank. Guys, we're not we're not doing this. We're not slandering. I was Frank. We're not slandering. We're not slandering. It's not slander if it's true. (laughs) No definition. It's not slander if it's true. No, no. But the thing is, is that every time Frank would get a chance to show what he got, he's pulling his groin. Man, it's like I don't know what he's doing with his groin, but it's just always pulling. He's like, if you look at how handsome he is, I know. This guy is a man. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But Deuce is is is, is available, so that's why. Well, he's out and here, I want to I want to ask you I about this because to... you mentioned this earlier, and I'm very curious about this because I find it interesting. Uh, you said that before the season that you thought this was going to be Tim's coaching season because everything was perfect, things were aligned. Okay, and you talked mm-hmm. about that. And I want to talk like in relation to Deuce. Do you feel mm-hmm. like for Tibbs, it's a very specific thing where, you know, yeah, you have your Derek Roses or who you just trust from day one, right? And are like an RJ Barrett who it, it didn't matter if you trust him or not. Like he had to start him. Like that was just how it had to be. Do you feel like for Tibbs, it's a type of thing where your first and your second year, you're kind of earning your your trust? Like he, he you have to earn, yeah. you have to earn, yeah, a, like, you know, you talk about yeah. Deuce and I, I think, Stacey, you just talked about this. Like yeah, you're, he's not yeah. like Deuce isn't allowed to just take pull up threes right now, right? Like no, yeah. he, well now yeah. he is, but last year he. But but see, he you're right. This is Deuce's second, yeah. second, yeah. So you'll start, it, it, but he's to me it's a sign that like the eight game winning streak. One of the changes was Jerker Rose is out, Evan Fournier was out, Deuce was in. Okay, and eight games. There you go. So to me, the Grimes Deuce Mitchell Robinson combination. Is there at that time was their best defensive? And I think it's telling that he finally brought Evan Fournier in, but he did not. He barely played him. He made sure that quickly Hart and McBride were all out there next to him. So he said, "Yeah, if I'm going to play my weakest defender, and and Fournier is the weakest defender, but I will say his one strength is Fournier is rarely in the wrong place. Right? He's just slow, and and you know at this at this point in his career isn't quick, but he he knows what his job is. So he said that." I will play him with my elite defenders who know what their job is and can do other things. Yeah, yeah. Like, he surrounds him with defense. But if he's he's not playing Fournier, besides that, that's yeah. like, that shows a yeah. lot of his trust in them. Yeah, because uh, yeah. no, I think true. if he didn't trust them, he would have played Sims because Sims I, well, yeah. is someone he trusts more on defense than. I want to see what happens going forward um, past this season because if if they keep quickly, they're not going to keep Brunson quickly and Deuce. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to go. So. I, they're going to keep Brunson, obviously, because they just signed him. And, and he's like family with the Knicks organization. Quickly is the guy. Because, and it's not because of the Knicks. It's because of Quickly. If Quickly decides, I can go to Miami and start and get $100 million, he's gone. I, you don't I think the Knicks gone. would pay him $100 million? No. Wow. No. I don't know if they could. Well, this is the problem. It's, to that. me, that's you, an argument, by the way. I think it's about argument. You're going to be, deal- you're going to be dealing with um, tax implications. If you pay him a hundred million dollars, so and so I, and unless they're unless they're pushing for the ECF, if they're pushing for the ECF, then okay, you pay the tax. But if you're just getting out of the first round, you don't want to be dealing with so, tax problems. So I think there's a few things here. Uh, obviously, the new CBA was agreed upon this week. Whatever, uh, people are still figuring out the various new things. How much is the cap? Did you see it, that? It, they haven't that? posted that. I mean, the cap is going to jump in two years because that's when the new TV contract rolls in. 
And it feels like mm-hmm. from the details I'm seeing, I feel like they're expecting a big bump there just from what, mm-hmm. especially with like mm-hmm. some of the stuff the players agreed to. I'm like, would you agree to this unless you knew there was going to be a massive cap spike? I don't think so. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. coming. Yeah. And I, where I where I stand on this quickly thing is like, one, I think the Knicks would pay him $100 million because they know where the cap is going. And I don't think, oh, I think, I I think the, uh, $100 yeah. million now is not what it was. The other thing that came out is that they will now be allowed to give five-year extensions that are not maxes. That was an issue in the previous CBA where yeah, oh, unless you yes, could give a five, yes. if you didn't give a, a five-year max, you couldn't go to a fifth year um, in that after that third season. So I think like the fact that it can go five years now for quick is definitely an advantage in their favor. To no, and they're the only right. team that could do yeah. that right now. Yeah, so that that's true. And, um, and I, 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 you're right about and, that. And, and, I'll, right and, about and that. all I was going to say is this: is like I think the quickly thing becomes more tricky if 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 they believe in RJ and RJ still here. And all those things. And I just think, like, they still, the way, even if they agree to any extension with Quick, they've got a year to play it out. Okay. Like, that his extension wouldn't kick in until the year before. It won't kick in. Right. And so, like, to me, the way I view it is this unless they can trade quickly for some surefire stud guy, like an actual star, true star, wing, whatever, at a position that they don't have a guy like that, I think they keep him because one thing we know about this team is they don't. They're not interested in taking steps back. They are not. When you say the, when you say they keep him, are you saying quickly will agree to stay? I think quickly wants to stay. That's what I think. Like okay. I think quick wants okay. to be here. I do think that like does he? Why? Uh, just uh, if he has to be a sixth man, if he's playing thirty for the minutes next tonight, five years, if he's that well, that's the question. I'm on your side, but I'm asking. That's what for I that think. Reason. Like I think, like yeah, ideally he'd want to start, but like I, I think. If you win six man of the year, you're being recognized for he's gonna win six man of the year. Like that's gonna happen. You're gonna be rec- you're being recognized as a highly impactful player. I think if you win in New York, I like I, I think he flat out likes like he loves New York. And because to me, like to be in New York, like look, when you watch him play, right, he's like got this crazy high level of energy sometimes. I just saw a possession today at the start of the second half where he's like, didn't like the defensive effort. He starts clapping at everybody on the team. Like, come on, let's fucking go here. Let's, let's get into this. But I think he has this type of like spontaneous energy that plays so well at Madison square garden. And there is a connection between him and the fans. Like you're not going to convince me otherwise. Like I do think that's a real thing. And I think that matters for what it's worth. Like, no, I think I agree with everything you just said. Like he loves being in New York. He can obviously play in the garden in front of his fans, um, and, and he loves his teammates. He gets along. Him and Tibbs are, you know, that's Tibbs' grandson. I mean, they're really yeah. tight. But I don't want to discount Miami has a glaring need for a point guard to me. Um, but, but Miami think, would have um, to give us I, something. Like, they, they can't. They have Tyler Hero. Isn't he better than Quickly? Tyler Hero is. Well, I don't know what they'd yeah. give us, but I I agree. With I you. just don't put anything. I don't put anything past Pat Riley. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I didn't think he was going to get LeBron, Bosh, and D Wade all in the same team, and he got them to take and Mario Chalmers. Come on, you forgot. Yeah. The and, and Mike Miller. <laughs> Mario Chalmers is never scared of LeBron. Come I'm on, just that's, saying that's, he he has the ability to put forever. stuff together. And then it's it's obvious to me also that Washington Wizards need a point guard. They don't have a point guard, and so. 
if they're going to invest, I can't believe they're going to actually throw a lot of money at Kuzma and PP. But if they do that, they're going to need a point guard. He's from the DMV. So I'm not saying he wouldn't want to leave New York. I'm just saying I wouldn't discount that if he's looking at. And like you said, let's say $100 million obviously, is not like what $100 million was right. five years ago. Let's this say isn't like giving Alan like Houston the $100 million. Right. <laughs> let's say that the $100 million today is probably $80 million five years ago. So that means then the new contract for a guy making 100 is like 130, right? So if that's the case, suppose somebody offers him that. Will the Knicks match that? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't oh, know. I, I'm not saying. I, I, think, I think it's very important dollars. for the Knicks to lock this man up this summer. I'll, I'll say that. Like, I think I, I will yeah, agree like, with I, that. I just think, I and I, I mean this truthfully, and I, I am like a huge quickly stand, so if people want to accuse me of just loving him too much, that's fine. I think when you talk, like we, like not just us, right, but like fans of the NBA in general, and you hear about us all the time, culture, 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 like it's this term everybody throws around. Culture is a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, like a guy who you drafted 25th overall, who has totally outperformed his draft slot, who has played on ball, who has played off ball, who has come off the bench, who has been a good soldier, who plays super hard all the time, who has not let his head hang even when he was not the favored son in the rotation. Like, that's what it is, guys. Like, that's like, you know what, Jalen, you know, you know what quickly is right now? That is what Jalen Brunson went through in Dallas. Like, mm -hmm. and guess what happened? They didn't appreciate what they had. He walked and right. look at these guys now. And I'm not saying it's like, it's just Jalen Brunson, but building a franchise, building a team, building a competitive roster, you have to reward the guys like that. You have to reward those guys and you have to retain those guys. Now, does that mean you keep them forever and ever and ever? No. But like in this moment in time, with where you are in your team buildings, in your team building situation, with where you are as a franchise, with what you've achieved this season, I think it's super fucking important to keep him in the fold. I I, I completely agree. With you. I, I just it's just yeah, going to be interesting yeah. to see how high that contract. And, and to Rahi Bruce's point, I think can you like this is something I don't think it's publicized as much, but how many players that were sixth men at age twenty three, winning sixth man of the year? That didn't have a, a, a like a starting role in the near future, stayed with the team. The two that like Iguodala was a lot older, but he signed on with he signed on with the Warriors for long because they they made it financially worth his while. The main example I think of is a player that sorry guys I know you like him, uh, I know you like quickly I know everybody likes quickly I know that he even has you could give him a nickname that would be the same as this player. I do not think that Emmanuel quickly is Emmanuel Ginobili yet, but he's the guy I can think of that stayed his own whole. Like he could have tried to be Harden somewhere. I think so. I don't. Yeah, think but crazy. not when you're winning championships. It's a, like so is that? Jordan but is that what? It, so if the Knicks made a yes. run, would that convince quickly? Yes. Yes. Okay, so the question. Yes. So, so, but is there precedent for a guy on a team like this that's up and coming, that's building, that has guys? By the way. Uh, ran, like we've we've talked about this. Quickly was the only player to post a positive net rating with with Randall. I think Randall helps him too, because on some of the possessions where Quickly doesn't get quite to his spot, Randall is good at being an outlet, and I think he's good at playing with Brunson too. So th this team helps him as well. He's putting up numbers. He's getting notoriety on this team. Is there a precedent for a guy in this situation who stayed with the team? And yeah, because the, the the thing is, if Quickly wants to start somewhere and he tells the Knicks, "Fuck off, get me out of here," like he has that 
ability. But is there a precedent of a guy that could have done that that stayed? Um, you know it, that that it depends. I, I would well. I would say this. I would say if you look at guys like very specific, you look at the Celtics team. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were not like always given the headline status. They were not always starters. I mean, Marcus Smart, how many point guards did they bring in? They brought in Kyrie Irving. They brought in Isaiah Thomas. They brought in Kemba Walker. Like they... Peyton Pritchard, the guy that everyone said. We... Who was it that said we missed out on Peyton Pritchard and Tyrone oh, Terry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah, said somebody that? Somebody said that. On draft night, I will admit, I love Emmanuel quickly. I was like, oh, we might have just stayed at 30. We might have just taken him at 33. I did the pod with Schwinn. Schwinn was like the one guy that was like, Look, it's the twenty fifth pick, and like this is a guy with the work ethic and all that, and and I had written the most glowing profile of him. So shame on me for like thinking. Actually, the two guys I wanted in that draft, I wanted Bain. Yeah, that was the one. I I wanted him, and then I wanted Maxi. We were going to pick a Kentucky guy. I wanted Maxi, but I I I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed, but quickly won me over, man. He's something else. There's just like I just think like again like. Being a fan of a team to me has to mean more than just like, oh, I want, like, I'm sorry, like, I don't want, I'm not, I'm really not interested in like, who's the star we can get? What's star? I'm like, I, no, I like, yeah, like right, I like, no, I like no. this team. I like the connection I feel with the yeah, guys. On I like the team. it, and like, yep. I like to see these guys that we've developed and draft. Because when is the last time we drafted and developed anybody? Like, you know, it, it just yeah, hasn't happened, yeah. and it's like. I'm sorry. Like I, I enjoy this part of being a fan, and if that makes me some like, I mean, forget, forget quickly. It's right? all these guys. We even, even RJ Barrett. We criticize. Yeah. I mean, you, we've criticized RJ Barrett a lot. He has not been a disaster at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. like we gave him a good contract. Like, it's not a bad contract, and like, yeah, he's probably not lived up to the expectations of the third pick quite that well, considering the one of the third picks in history. If you do an average. The greatest player ever was a third pick. Um, and then Luca is also third pick, and you have other guys like that. But he's not like they've done. And then, I mean, look at look at all the guys. Quickly, Steele. Grimes, Steele. Mitchell Robinson, Steele. Um, Deuce, I would argue, is a steal. Steel, yep. Jericho steel. Sims at 58 to get. Steel. To get like, yeah. steel. If you look steel. at 50, the 50, 50. You, you uh, get a guy who can play 40, actual NBA minutes with a 58. You pick. get a guy who's played a game. Played an NBA game. Pick, man. Yeah. Look at how many guys, if you look at these drafts and how many of them have like never participated in a game, it's like half the picks after pick 40. That's so right. like to play in a game, let alone play this, and like he's he's like a like a below average star like rotation player, but a solid rotation player, maybe average. I don't know. Um, and then you have like you know, so like that's unprecedented in Knicks history in recent memory, is sure. Like I think that going back a long, long time, and um, I, I but I want to ask you this, Rahibur, because this is something Schwinn has mentioned this a lot. Whenever I bring up even a guy like Jalen Brown, I think. Schwinn has often said, you know, RJ Barrett, you know, not cutting it this year. So I, my take is if we, if we had a Jalen Brown to this team and RJ Barrett, this is not a knock on Barrett, but I think that upgrade would put this team over the top. Yeah. Now the thing is about but, RJ. But, about, but, but sorry, about, I just want to finish. But like, if you're bought into this whole thing that like this team's depth and the combination they have, does that make you think that, like, the the rule of thumb is you need an MVP type player to win? Like, historically, you just you need one guy like that. And I'm wondering, can this team like make continue to make Josh Hart type moves um, to get there? Do you think that's possible? 
That's the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Yeah, that's the one I, team. Yeah, and I think we're very much like them. From coach on down, Larry Brown had not won anything in the pros. Uh, he had come to the finals once with Allen Iverson and lost, you know, four to one, I think, to the Lakers. Um, he always had winning teams, but they never really advanced in the end. And he, people were given the same label they're given Tibbs. And all of a sudden, they get this team with Rashid, with, you know, defensive stopper at the, the five. The Billups parallel look, is real. Yeah, no. And then all of a sudden, here they are. So, and they I, had a I, lot I, of players like, but I was always a huge Rasheed Wallace. I think he was ahead of his time. Oh, I love Rasheed. I mean, imagine if you put Rasheed Wallace on the Warriors in the Draymond oh, yeah, role. Oh, he would have been fucking insane. I think that I was a guy. Sheed, Sheed was amazing. Like he and like, but he was a guy with a lot of talent who was willing to adapt to a smaller role. Um, to right. a, I think guy like Richard Hamilton, you put him in the clay role today. I think he would have. His last year, he just started shooting threes and he shot forty eight percent from three. Like. That was a guy that specialized mid range at that time. He could have easily adapted. They had a lot of guys that were willing to adapt to smaller roles, and I think that also like quickly could be a starting guard. He could be, um, you know, uh, that kind of a player. He's willing to if he's willing to adapt adapt to that, right? If you have a guy like RJ, who I think has done a lot of good things, if like if you convert RJ's twenty five and three, and I'm it's counting stats, but if that twenty five and three becomes 16, 6, and 2, or uh, sorry, sorry, 16, 6, and 6, right? So he com commits himself a little bit more on defense, and some of those shots that he's taking in the mid-range that are probably not his best game, if he kicks out, he's getting 6 assists a game. I think that's very much on the table. You, you have these guys adapt to more role-player things that are really probably, maybe not stars, but like really good players. Uh, Tayshawn was another guy. I think Tayshawn could have had a much more of a, like, maybe not a star, but Tayshawn could have been like a, a like a 20 yeah, point per game guy. But he didn't. He, he focused on, and like Tayshawn Prince is not going to go down in the annals of NBA history as like what his talent maybe suggested. You have a lot of those guys. I think to your point, that's kind of the ingredients you need. They have those guys who are willing to buy into it now. Will they right. continue? Well, I, I, guess, I would say this. I think we, you see some of the more punitive, uh, incentives now built into the new cba i think these all-in star trade stuff i've been against them for a while now i just think they're bad moves like i just don't think guys are worth it like they're just not i'm sorry like as good as donovan mitchell is like do you honestly feel he's a top 10 player in the nba i don't this year he's been. but but that, that's different like like julius randall is a top 10 player in the nba in 2020 2021 do you actually think he was a top 10 player like no not like, like I think the difference. I, to me, I agree. Like, we don't have to go on a tangent. The difference is Donovan Mitchell can do that independent of his team. Maybe, but like, what? What? I don't think Julius Randall has okay, been playing but, like but that. But is, is Donovan? Do you actually think if you were like gun to your head, tell me you you need to pick, you know, rank from one to ten, the ten guys you want if you need to win a game tomorrow? Is Donovan Mitchell not top ten? He's no shot in my top ten. But a belt that's a, because some of those guys are guys like Steph. LeBron. But that's the point. That's, that's, don't the play. that's the league. The league is always going to have... they don't play, but they also play but 50 the, games the a league year. Is, but my point... But it's not. But you're not making that decision on one game. That's the point, right? You're making no, that but if I'm going all in for a guy, I need to know it's a guy that is of that caliber. But you're talking about, like, you see all-in trade. Minnesota made an all-in trade for Rudy Gobert. <laughs> that was yeah. stupid. Oh, like, my like God. You, I was like, what are you doing? But uh. it's like every trade now you see, right, for any of these guys, for it doesn't matter if it's it can be James Harden, who might be worth that, actually. 
or it can be Rudy Gobert, or it can be somebody in between, like Donovan Mitchell. Well, it's, it's like, and it's I just, like to we, me, it's not. It's, with, um, look at the success rate of these trades. They're not good. And what they do is they totally. Well, Brooklyn is the right. biggest kind of Neil. That was the perfect. And they had, they created kind no, of what I, we have now, right? They had, Dinwiddie was there quickly, no, they, they, I guess, they, they, they didn't ever, they could have created it. They just didn't take their time. They they immediately. But like, I think, but I think just like, I'll let you finish. I, what I'm going to add is like, um, we were talking with, with Schmelk over the summer. And like, his point was that like, with a guy like Mitchell, everything has to be on the table. It's not a question Why? of fair value. But that's like, bullshit. Like, I don't no, understand no, but that, that. But that's, I, that, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. What I'm saying is if that is the value of these stars, then it's not worth it because then you're valuing Mitchell. You might as well value him the same way you would value LeBron, or you you value. Well, Booker. if you're dealing with Danny Ainge, yeah. he does. Right, right. And, but, <laughs> but, but, but that's, but like, but that's all these stars. That it happened with Gobert. It happened with it. Probably like there was a trade today that somebody sent about Bam, where you know it was two first round picks. Oh my god, Mitchell, I did see that. Rob, I, I, it was oh two first round picks: Mitchell Robinson and Obi Toppin. And, yeah. uh, and I think Derek and, Rose. And, to make yeah, I was like, no, they made they made it was three guys. I think they put quickly in there. No, they, they they did not put quickly in there. That's they, why I was like, on a value basis, like you get Bam for two first round picks. I, I don't like the fit with Julius Randle. But like the point I'm making is that like, um, I don't. I think Miami would be like, why would Miami do that? It's not a great trade for the Knicks. First of all, I agree with you on that. But it's also like Miami would never do that. But like because this like a star is always more valuable to the like, team but, they're but on. Is, so my point of this though is that like. If if you're gonna I'm saying that part of the reason why stars are overvalued is because they're always more valuable. To no, the I I think stars are overvalued and, now for reasons that have nothing to do with that. I think stars are overvalued now because people lack patience. That's fundamentally what I believe. Like, but don't you think the market would correct for that no, eventually? Why would it? Why would it? Because nobody has patience. Like, well, it depends. It depends if the star is. There's two things here, right? You're dealing with how much money does the star bring to the team. That's important for the owner. Not, not like, so much for us. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, but for the owner. So how much money is this guy going to bring to the team? Well, for Minnesota, it's important. Yeah, Rudy yeah, Gobert, yeah, for Minnesota. Yeah. You know, dry. People are just dying. Buy those tickets, man. Buy those tickets. This is the only way to... Well, the tickets the went way. from $5 to $10 now. Oh, my God. That's a 100% no, but, increase, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, whatever makes you sleep at night. No, I'm just saying, but I would say like, or they're going to win you a championship. Right and okay, so either one of those things. So if they like the the Kyrie, I hated the Kyrie Durant thing yeah. for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that those two guys won chips because of who they joined. It was like before LeBron came to Cleveland, Kyrie was getting forty and they were winning twenty yeah. games. They, I think the they actually got okay? worse, like from his third year yeah. to his fourth year or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, they weren't winning anything, and then and so you, LeBron comes and he basically manages that team to put it together and they win a championship. And even that. He had to do superhuman right. stuff for them to beat but, Golden State. But, but Kyrie did too. Right, but Kyrie, but Kyrie, no, but Kyrie I'm, is I'm a saying, great, but by himself. Yeah, Kyrie is a great talent, like a like one yeah. of oh, one yeah. of the great talents. But there's a difference. I between, rank Kyrie yeah, like there's yeah, a difference between one of the best finishers yeah, ever. But there's a there's a difference between you're a great individual player versus you elevate your team. And and right. Kyrie is consistently never. If anything, you can argue that he's taken away from a lot of teams, like. Yeah, he's never brought his team to that yeah, next. Yeah, he's level. never the guy that elevates your team. Actually, they brought him to yeah. Boston to do, and it. and they got worse. They like literally got yeah. like they improved. But do you think he would have been if he wasn't a head? But kid? he is. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Some that, guys but, aren't head cases. Devin Booker. All I'm saying is that if, if you're going to tell me like if Kawhi Leonard is available yeah, that's or, 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 you know, or Giannis, or, you know, you talk to me about a guy that's taking his team to the chip, you know, and I, okay, we could do that, but we got to talk about the compensation. But yes, we'll do that. But other than that, building the way the Knicks are building, that's what you yeah. want to do. That's and even, even Kawhi Leonard, it's worth mentioning. He demanded that he came with Paul George. Right. I, I'm not going to call that a, a failure on the Nets level, but it hasn't panned they, out they, the way they, they, made, they oh, made one. They give, up, they give up a guy who's now maybe, I mean, you would say Shea Gilgis Alexander is one of the top 10 players. They gave him up in that trade. He's, right? he's in, the, he's um, in yeah. the conversation for sure. But I, I think the follow up, and I, I agree with you that these all in one star trades don't seem to work. Here's the thing if I think besides the Pistons, you would agree, I think, that. Every team that's won has had yeah, one of those I think guys. The league is, I think the league end. is different now. Like, look at the. So you think you can win without an MVP player? I think you like need to have MVP. somebody who's in the conversation. I don't think you need to have like you need. A, I think you need a top ten yeah. player. You need. A you need somebody who's in that conversation. I don't think they necessarily need to yeah. be like Giannis, but I do think you need somebody who's at least you know gets a pity vote. Like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Julius Randle might. Well, or somebody that's in the MVP conversation. Somebody like you know. Like like MB, like, you win with the, the point. Is, like, the point Booker, I'm making is I think this: those guys are the point yeah. I'm making is yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys mentioned Giannis. You mentioned Kawhi. Those guys are not really ever in trades rumors. No, like, they decide where they want to go. Yeah, but the point is like, it seems like the like the guys who are in these all in one trade rumors are guys. It's not even Booker. Like it, it seems absurd to think that the Suns would want to trade Booker, and like he's like at the bottom of that tier. I think. So, like, the, the question is, without, like, it's either this. You accept the fact that you need an MVP player, and then you need to make an all-in-one trade. Or, or the other I think is, like, maybe you can win without it. Like, I think one of those has to be true. Otherwise, I don't know that you I can don't, win I it. think, one, you can win without it. Um, the Spurs didn't have an MVP. Okay, that's, the I Spurs didn't have an MVP player when they won in 2014. Like, they had one who became right, one But he wasn't at that time. Game. Like you, they had correct. another former MVP. Okay, a former MVP. Was, Duncan he, was not an MVP that year, dude. Tony Parker was really. He wasn't an MVP. But when, du- but but when Duncan was that. in you the, just said, the, you just said you have to have one, and then I gave you an but, example of a team that didn't have it, and then you're giving me all these. Well, Kawhi became one. Well, Duncan was one. <laughs> well, Parker might have. They weren't. So they won one right but, there that year. I just gave you those, any of those things apply to like? I gave you an example. You don't like the example now. No, I, I, first of all, I brought up that example. Right, but <laughs> so, then, so how is that? That that that's the point. Look, no, it, but wait, it, it's hard. Wait, wait, it's wait. hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not the the most common way to do it. But like, no, but, I'm but just to saying, me, look, like, yeah, you look, generally. That's what I thought. So, 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 so is your point? Let me that say. Is your let me finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? I'm saying pick one. Can I finish? I'm saying pick one. You are not even letting me finish. So how can I pick? Because that's what I what I asked you. Are you guys? You're not letting me. Are you guys like? You have to let me. You guys are like. You guys are like brothers. You got to let me. You guys are brothers, right? That's how it works. You guys are brothers, right? Because you guys, we're just, we're just, we're both Indian. You got to be brothers. No, look, like here's the thing, right? You, I agree. The larger sample of the NBA, you are right. You definitely you need an MVP caliber player to be in that conversation, but. I don't think the league now is the same as the league. Like, look at the talent level in the league. And that's fine. That's a right. good answer. I, I I want that to be the answer, and I'm starting to right. believe it is. That was my question. The question is, like, 
if you're rejecting all these star trades, is it because deep down you think that we can like, can we Josh Hart, can we make Josh Hart type moves from this team to get there? I'm not saying we can't. I'm saying that I think you need to believe that you can though to like reject a lot of. I trades. think I think you I think you every trade needs to be judged on its own individual merit. And like a reason to make an all-in trade can't be well, we need to get a star or we need to upgrade. Like is like let's I'm just giving an example. Jalen Brown is somebody who has definitely And I, I've always agreed right. with that. And I, that's why I wasn't like give everything up for right. Donovan Mitchell. My point is that um, I think they need. To, I think we need to have an answer. The Knicks have to have a belief one way or the other if right. they need but, to do that. Because I think you you've said that you wouldn't trade for Joel Embiid, which like like that to me is like if you're not going to trade for Joel Embiid, you're firmly committed to the idea that like we can do it no, this way. I we I would not. Tra- if you told Archer. me we had to give up R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Two first round picks for Joel Embiid. Sure, go for it. But like, that's never going to be the trade. Picks. The trade for Joel Embiid. What if it's all the first round? Right. Picks? The trade is going to be all your first round picks. Emmanuel quickly, Grimes, fucking somebody else, a contract to match it. Like, you're going to have to yeah, give up probably. all of your flexibility. So when you make that trade, you have to believe, and you have to not. Then my position is that there isn't a star trade out right. there. That's no, my. And, if Joel Embiid isn't the guy, I don't right, think. But, there but is no, my my. The Giannis isn't coming available. Okay, but my position is that regardless of what we think or who it is or whatever, the, all these trades have to be judged on their own individual merit. So, like when I hear stuff like like the Donovan Mitchell thing to me was insane this summer. Because I'm like, I think Donovan Mitchell's really good. I don't think like people were talking about him like he's this generational talent who, if the Knicks don't get. They've, oh my God, the Knicks didn't do it again. They didn't get yeah, the star. I, and I was like, I agreed with you. And that. I was like, I, there were people saying that. There were people yeah, saying that. And I just never, I, I mean, never, Stephen A is still saying, if you lose, that's the most ridiculous thing, by the way. Like, he's like, if we lose to Donovan Mitchell, then the whole series was a failure. Cause if you add him to, like, even Richard Jefferson said, imagine Donovan Mitchell on this team. Well, he wouldn't be on this team. He wouldn't you be wouldn't on have quickly. Right. You wouldn't have, as much as we ripped on RJ Barrett, he's been you a wouldn't have RJ, you wouldn't have quickly. You wouldn't have Grimes. They, they, they wouldn't have to give up Grimes. They got yeah. Larry fucking Markinen. He's been terrific. Yep. Yep. Plus, Walker Kessler is a good player. They would have had to give up everything. And you would have had to give yep. up so, all yeah. your pick flexibility. So, so it wouldn't be the same yeah. team. And, and yeah. so, like, that's my point, though, is, like, you, I think, would, I, would somebody like Jalen Brown, would he improve this team in some scenario X? Yes, I do think he would. Is that scenario a scenario that's likely to occur? Probably not. Because if, again, it seems like now, anyone, anytime anybody who's a star or a borderline star or a proverbial star is on the market, it's like, yep, give us everything. Give us all your... Do you think when he's an expiring contract? Well, I, yeah, I, I think Jalen Brown's a bit different Maybe. only because, I, I mean, he, he is not the superstar. No, he's, he's a star. But... Um, and then we're talking about RJ Barrett. And I wanted to, this is a good, I wanted to go back to a Swinney for you brought up a while ago on this is that with RJ. So RJ's, everybody is, not everybody, but a lot of people are looking at RJ because he's the third pick and they're comparing him to guys like Luca or guys like John Morant. And I feel like that's not proper to do because it's like I said, I have four children and they all didn't learn to walk at the same time. Everybody, what one took a year, one took nine months. They all were different. One, you know, thought 
she's never going to walk. Maybe something's wrong with her. And then all of a sudden, one day she just stood up and started walking, just like that. Just stood up and started walking. And and so all that's like with players, they don't don't develop at the same speed. I think RJ is going to start. You're going to start to see the things we want to see from him when he's 24. Right now he's 22. So what I'm looking at with regard to say a Jalen Brown is you're going to have RJ Barrett at 24 in two years or with Jalen Brown, you get him now. And it depends on what you want. Like you mentioned, not being patient. If Jalen Brown for RJ Barrett, like if you just switch those positions and Brown is in, is in Barrett's position, we got the same team. Does Jalen Brown get us to that next level? If he does, that's what you want to look at. If he doesn't, and you want to wait two years, which you can, and say, okay, we think RJ will be there in two years. We drafted him. He's in our system. Let's wait. Okay, you could do that too. But that's the dynamic you're talking about, in my view. You're talking about whether you want to wait now or say, no, we're not waiting. This is available now, and we can get him now. Let's do it. Yeah, and I think that's the – there's two questions I think that brings up. One, who is the worst player the Knicks could add to this team? And I think, like, the question with Jalen Brown, like, why I'm high on it is I think you can keep quickly. I think you can keep Grimes. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you centered RJ and Obi as your main targets or your main comp in that, gave up a bunch of picks, and you add it, and you replace, so you essentially replace Jalen Brown, you replace RJ with Jalen Brown. Yep. You find, you know, Trey Lyles or someone like that to replace Obi as the backup four. Does that put this team over the top? Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I, I don't know. That, and I, that's I think, the thing. But that's the question, though, isn't so, it? That's the I would say this. And I, who's I the think... worst? So that, I think there's two questions. Sorry, Shubin, let me just... So there's two things. One, is Jalen Brown the worst possible player you could do a trade? Is that the question? Or is it like, is there a, are there a number of Josh Hart-type trades you add? I, I don't know that... I don't think Norm Powell is the right answer. But I'm going to say like a guy like Norm Powell, or if you add... Another like a, a, like a Jaden McDaniels or, or Jalen McDaniels, honestly, like I, I really like his game. If you add, you keep making those kind of moves. Is that, can, are those two pathways you there, do or is it mentally improve your team? Like like this is this is kind of what my issue is with these all in trades. It's like it's like you're trying to go from I'm poor to I'm obnoxiously rich in yeah, one step. Yeah, yeah, and I think the way yeah. the Knicks are approaching it is the right way. Is Josh Hart? 100% going to be on the the final contending version of the Knicks. Honestly, I think he could, he could be, be, but I don't know that. I don't know if Emmanuel quickly will. I don't know if RJ But who's will. The, but if you had to make one player add, is Jalen Brown that guy? Does it need to be better than him? If you're only losing but, Obi but and the, RJ, could it be OG and Obi? Could it be Okay, but my point is like I like if you get Jalen Brown. Let's say Jalen Brown, you can get him for whatever the hell it was, right? Two first round picks, RJ Barrett. Fine, go do that. And then maybe Jalen Brown is a better conduit to get the superstar that you ultimately need to get. Like, there are, like, and that doesn't need to just happen at the start. Like, it could be like, you know, you got Josh Hart, right? But you don't think you could just win with Jalen Brown on this team? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I, I don't really have a strong team. I think they'd be the second best team in the I East. think they'd That's be really good. I, I, think, I think they'd be yeah. really good because Jalen Brown, like I said, I'm not knocking RJ, but I'm saying Jalen Brown is RJ in two or three seasons. Jalen Brown is that now. And so, and, and he's going to... I mean, I think he's a I much like, better shooter than RJ will ever be. I mean, right, like, but this is RJ. We're talking about RJ at 22. If RJ was 25... You might say they're even at that time. But right now, we could get RJ at 25 right now in the form of Jalen Brown. Now, the thing is, is that 
I don't think we have to pay a king's ransom because he's becoming an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, right, right. See, yeah. So, so they would have in order to not get, you know, get nothing for him. It's not like they got to take anything, but you got to give them an offer. But it's not going to be like I got to clean my covers offer to get this guy. Yeah, it's it, not going to be. Like it's that. just like, and and I, I would, I I hope you're right because like it's just been so weird to me to see how the league has moved since in the last three or four years. Where now it's like. Literally, any time one of these guys moves, it feels like it's everything. It's everything, and mm-hmm. and like I agree. Like if if the Celtics have a feeling Jalen Brown is, you know, he's giving them all kinds of signs. Like I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to resign. Right. Right. Maybe right, maybe right. there's a deal there to be made. But I mean, do you think I just he, don't he know. could even get to the point where he walks for nothing? I think it's possible. They wouldn't do that. I don't think they. Whoever who is it? Brad Stevens in the front office. Yeah. He gets fired. They, they no. He'd have to. He'd have to make a move before that. Yeah, it's would. like if they. But even that would be at a discount, and maybe that would be a team like Toronto rented Kawhi, and he walked for nothing, and Toronto was like, right. So okay. it's like that's kind of where I'm at with it. Where it's like, if you told me we can get him for a Kawhi price, then yeah, you should definitely do that trade. But like the recent NBA history, that value for stars has been so fleeting. It's massive inflated. Yeah. Do you think it's due for correction? I maybe? think so. Especially when you have guys in their last, like, cause a lot of the trades have been guys with multiple years left on their contract. Donovan Mitchell had three years left. Yeah. So I'm saying it's this different scenario when you got an expiring deal, they're not going to get a King's ransom for him. So, so it's gotta be, they're going to be something more. Reasonable. It just, it, it, yeah, it just always depends to me because like we might, and I agree with you, like it shouldn't cost a King's ransom, but all it takes is one team, right? It's all like, the, Pel- the Pelicans are sitting there. They are on the edge of the plan. We'll see whether they make the actual playoffs or whatever it is. They've got all these picks still, right? Like, they have all the stuff. There's kind of probably some desire to push ahead and compete, especially with the shape of the Western Conference. Right? The Western Conference is not, like, it's not some murderer's row right now. Yeah, but he'd have to agree to right. resign. But if, the, if you're them, maybe you look at that and you're like, well, we just believe that if we pay, like, if we pay the price to get this guy and whatever he'll stay. And he, like Orlando is a team that I think is interesting for not just Don, for, for Jalen Brown, but a lot of players. Cause it's like, I, yeah, I mean, they're yeah. going to be good, but they needed a couple more seasons, but I, I'm, the, I'm, if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm look, I don't want to step backwards. I want to step into a situation where I'm the final piece. And it, I guess it just depends because so to, to me, when I read some of the stuff he said, it feels like he thinks, he can be the man somewhere. Maybe I'm misinterpreting the things he said, but it feels like he thinks. Is that why you think he wants to leave? I mean, I, I really, I really don't memory. understand. I don't understand what is it. He, there is something there that he is not liking Boston for some reason. I agree. Yeah, and they have a history of not treating their players well. They have organizational turmoil. They apparently have. He's not the first player to suggest that the fans are not great, uh, specifically to black players. Um, well, that's been going on for like sixty years, literally. So yeah. Right. Um, but um, but somebody the point came, of, do you know somebody came into Bill Russell's yeah. house and crapped in his yeah. bed? Yeah, eleven rings, and I mean, that's what well, he got. Well, right? I, I, I think I think so. one of the things. But, but the, I mean, him, my point is like, where have you heard that? But like, have you heard that? Like, it's also the fact that he has to share the spotlight with Tatum. Or something I mean, like I that? think I don't know. That's weird, isn't it? I think though? one of the things he's taught, like, he did not like that he was in those Kevin Durant trade rumors, and I know uh, that they talked to him, and he mentioned it. Like, he said that yeah, they did talk to me, and like you know, squared it away and everything like, you know, they explained, you know, you're, we're fine. We're moving on. You're our guy now. And they squashed up at the, tr- like this trade deadline when Kevin Durant was again in the trade market, apparently they went to him and they're like, you're not going anywhere. We're not trading you. Like you're a guy, but there are some hurt feelings there. And, um, I think that's part of it. I, I don't know if 
he desperate. Like, I don't know if he wants to be the guy or not, but if you can't, like, he's just said so much stuff recently where you're like, well, you're not happy. You're not, you're not a hundred percent. I mean, right. So right. he's not so happy. There's something That's right. there where, so right. all we can do is speculate, but like, I, I don't know. And, and I it's mean, not just Jalen Brown. If I'm Boston, though, if I'm Boston and you're going to give me a, a RJ Barrett, my new starting two guard, and Obi Toppin, my new starting four, to pair with Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, that's not a bad situation. Especially if you can give me a couple of picks with him. I, I'm not going to be, I wouldn't be crying. If, if you him. know he's leaving. Yeah, if you know he's leaving anyway, he's not happy and you're getting that, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, that's not I a think, bad situation. I think what I'm really asking here is this, right? Like, I think this is the best constructed Knicks team I've seen. It was. It's a better constructed Knicks team than 2012. It's the best constructed. Oh Knicks. yeah. Uh, so it's it's just it's not just the talent. It's how well they fit together. Um, and my question is this: like, how far can you get with that if you don't have? And like, should we lean it? Because I I think like my answer is like I want to. I I I really have. Like I am a fan. I like these players. I I I want to see Emmanuel quickly retire a Nick. I want to see him Grimes retire a Nick. I want to see RJ Barrett retire a Nick. I want to see Mitch retire a Nick. How far can you get using this baseline? Can you turn that into a championship team? Like that's, um, that's kind of what I'm trying to. That's the, that's the main question in my mind right now. Like, but, beyond you know, can we beat the like, Cavs? The, the thing, well, how long are you willing right, to that's, wait? That's the question. Because it's like. Yeah, yeah, I think and I think, that, I, I think that I think you gotta wait. But then you're asking, can quickly depend and turn into a star, or Barrett to turn into a star? I think it's worth asking about Grimes too, actually, at this point. I think Grimes yeah. can. I'm really high on Grimes. I think he can. So that 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 would be the other thing. Or you're saying that even if these guys remain role players, and we just add more Josh Hart's to the mix, we can do that. Those are the two paths to like a not. Well, you're uh, kind of limited when you say adding Josh Hart. There's only nine positions in yeah, this rotation, true. so you, you're limited. But I think if I think Grimes can has the potential to turn into an All Star, and I really I'm I'm really looking at RJ by faith <laughs> and believing that he could get better. But I and I think quickly you have to you have to believe good. RJ is not like this season to me is like hopefully not indicative. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of yeah. those. Guys have seasons like this. Like I know it sucks yeah, in the moment, yeah. and it, and honestly, in the moment when I talk about it like this, I feel like I think about it. And I'm like, am I just coping? Am I like, am I coping with this right now? Because I'm like, I don't like, I don't think he's, I, I don't think this is indicative of what he actually is. It's a concerning season, no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I I tend to agree with you. But yeah, like I I think Grimes, I I, I we mentioned this, we talked about this like probably during the All Star break. Where one of the things I mentioned was like, you know, last year in 2020, 2021, or sorry, 2021, 2022, one of the bright spots after the All-Star break was quickly taking what I thought was like a very clear leap. I was like, this is not mm-hmm. just a hot streak. This looks like a guy who is taking mm-hmm. a step in his career. And what I was saying was that like Grimes is at a very interesting point where he had struggled a little bit. He had been going through some shit. He wasn't playing at the level he was when he first got inserted in the rotation. You know, he was kind of hesitant to pull the trigger on shots at times. He wasn't getting a lot of shots up and all kinds of things. But I was like, he's at a point where, like, this is a point where you often see young players take a step. End of the second year of their career, they're kind of acclimated to the league now. There's, and I think, like, what we're seeing over... Every time Grimes shoots now, yeah. by the way, and he's 
even it's going in, right? It's not open. Like that's how I feel. But it's like, like it's going and, in. Mostly been and, proven, and it's right? like, but I think this last five, six games, it's not just that he's shooting well. You're seeing him play with way more confidence off the bounce. Like yep. he is yep. like there was, you know, who was it we were playing? Uh, might've been, it was, yeah, it was Miami. Miami when they, they, so like Grimes has become the guy that teams often hide their worst defender on. And so they were hiding Duncan Robinson on him. It's like Bullock yeah. in uh Right. 20, and so yeah, he was getting, whatever. Duncan Robinson was hiding on him in the third quarter at one point. And at one point Grimes was just like, he caught a pass off of like a kick out. And it wasn't like the defense was scrambling. Like Robinson was right there. And he kind of was like thinking about swinging it. And then he was like, fuck this. Like, Duncan Robinson, like, I'm going to take this guy. And he, he drove by him, and he drew a foul, and he got to the free throw line. But my point is, like, that is that's that play right there is a play he was not making a month ago. And you're seeing more and more of those little plays, those little instances of him having the confidence. Like, I don't mind some of the bullshit heat check threes he takes because it's like you need to ultimately become – Oh, yeah. To become a star. you got to do that. you got to yeah. have the confidence yeah. to just take that shit. And, like – and live with you gotta it. Have, you got to have the ball to yeah. throw that up, man. And yeah. he does. So, but, but you know what, though? He's awesome. He's only in his second year. He's only 22. Man. I mean, damn. I, I'm high on him. Man. I think he's going to be He's going to be. Uh, I think up. this front and office so, is drafted, like, unbelievably well. Unbelievably oh, yeah. Well. And it, Walt Perrin. Walt Perrin was the most important part of, of that Leon Rose did in that front office. Hiring Walt Perrin, which built Utah, you know. But And, man. I mean, if, if you I, – I would imagine Perrin – because he's a scouting guy, wasn't involved in the trade discussion for the summer. I mean, he probably had to sign off on Brunson and Hartenstein from a scouting standpoint. But mm-hmm. the guy that, I think Schwinn, you said this, um, or maybe I'm misquoting, um, but I think it, it had been said that Jalen Williams was high on their priority list. I, I know if, they, if they had taken him, him, he would like him. I don't know like, what that so means. If, I don't know what that means. Like There was some huge battle on draft night where Walt Perrin's like, no, we can't No, do this but it, it stands to reason that if they took, if yeah. they stayed there, like he, there's a good chance he would have been the pick, uh, which I don't know that that would have, I'm also saying that like, based on how they behave this year and how many, how much time, like, would Jalen Williams start here over Grimes? I think Jalen Williams probably has a higher ceiling. Jalen Williams would be a rookie, right? He's a rookie and like Grimes and, and, is better and at the things they need. a coach, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, yeah. you, you really think he would play? No, I, don't I think, think so. he might play. Well, Grimes fit as a rookie. Play, Grimes yeah. also fits better. Grimes also has the skill set to fit in, right? So yeah. Williams yeah. is a creator where you have Brunson. No, Williams would have been awesome, but he wouldn't play that much. He'd probably play like he'd, 12 he'd get the minutes deuce minute. Yeah, yeah, he would play the deuce role. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jinx, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, um, but I guess like that's – and like that's kind of – that is what also gives me the hesitation – so, like, I am with you. I do not want these all-in-one starts. Even the BAM trade, which I think, on a value standpoint, was a win for the Knicks. I wouldn't uh, that, do. That, that bothered my stomach. I didn't even like it. I was like, no, no, but no. I think that's partly, for me, that was because, A, the fit with Randall. But it's also, like, I would like to see, like, what can this team do? Like, can, like, can they, because they've improved so much. <clears throat> but you have to kind of believe that either, like, the guy you can get to, like, put you over the top is someone or the two guys that can get you over the top are available without sacrificing this core or like, or like, I think that's what you have to believe. And I'm starting to believe it, but like, cause like I can't find holes in this roster really. Like Let's I can see what happens to... in the playoffs. Let's see what happens. If they win against Cleveland, everything's going to change. If, if they beat Cleveland, I mean, 
They have to play Milwaukee, which is a shitty fucking matchup. Yeah, they'll probably lose there. But I'm saying if they beat Cleveland, yeah, I'm telling you right now, everything's going to. And I think I think your point, like, so if they beat Cleveland, right? And let's say like I I think they would get beat by pretty badly by Milwaukee. Let's say that's a five game gentleman sweep, right? Um, (laughs) like, but you think I I just if Giannis, yeah, I just think Giannis is the one guy for us, like in this Eastern Conference. Well, they're they're really they have an elite defender at power forward, which happens to be our. Top scorers, and they position. can go five out. They have yeah. an elite defender at point guard, who is our other top scorers yeah, position, yeah, right? So yeah, they've been throwing true. somebody else on Brenton when they played, though. Who did Javon Carter? Javon he's Carter. Like, yeah, he's yeah, like their yeah, deuce, yeah. but he's yeah. like he's yeah. what I want deuce to be. He's from West yeah. Virginia. He's from West Virginia. It's the same, yeah. The Bob Buggins archetype. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. like I, I, I'm with you where I think it changes, right? Because even so, like, you beat Cleveland. I don't think anybody's going to be upset. Like Stephen A. Smith will probably cry if they lose to Milwaukee, but nor, but yeah. like, normal fans and general NBA yeah, people yeah. will be like, "That's a great season." The Knicks just had awesome season. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And this is the they, they would say that by the way if we lose yeah. to Cleveland. I think any sane person would say that. Like Cleveland, everyone says they're a good matchup. They're they're like they've been top four in net rating for a long time. Like they're yeah. a great team. Like, but I think if we if we beat them quickly, resigns quickly, and, and I <laughs> we get we get. But, but I think what happens right if you beat them and then you lose to Milwaukee is like. And this is the hardest part, I think, of being an executive is like, okay, is there a move available to me to bridge that gap? Or do I just have to accept that, like... Bridge? Did you say that on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> Are there bridges? No, I, is there a bridges? Are there bridges involved? No, they're, they're not. Um, definitely not. Definitely not miles of bridges anyway. Um, but, like... Oh, wow. We went there. But, like, like do you, is that is that oh, move available God. to me? Or... And this is the hardest part because this is where a lot of front offices fuck up. Is they reach, Brooklyn they reach to because they're like, well, we already made this step, so we have to take the next step right now. We've got to go for it now. And I think you should do that if, like, you know, we talked about a potential Jalen Brown trade that isn't exorbitant. If that's available, yeah, shit, go for it. I'm fine with that. But don't like, don't convince yourself that. A five is an eight. You know what I mean? So like, what, like what are, don't, what are, don't reach. Don't reach. Like, just be okay with with where you are and stay. Stay in order that last shot of tequila. That yeah, you, you don't want to take that last. For shot. a five is an eight. But like, <laughs> but like, but so, but what? I guess the point is, what is that point for you? Is it giving up quickly? Is it giving up grinds? Depends on the player. Is it giving up more than two unprotected? Depends, like, what is that? On the player that we're talking about depends on who's available. If yeah, we're talking about Jalen Brown, I'm not putting. Grimes yeah, I'm not putting Grimes. In. I'm not putting quickly yeah, or Grimes. I'm not interested because no. to me, you're getting Jalen Brown. I'm actually very hesitant to put Mitch at that point. You're getting Jalen Brown very specifically to me to upgrade the RJ spot in the rotation. That's yes, the point. That's so it's like, I, and it's fair. not. So if I'm all of a sudden now also tossing in a Grimes or a quickly, then it loses the value to me. He's not you're that kind of star. Yeah, you're overpaying. Yeah. You're so overpaying. Um, I just think the Knicks' best bet here is just like one played out and and they look they did not pull the trigger on the Mitchell trade I think that needs to be said like there there was all kinds of smoke around it they obviously were very interested in Donovan Mitchell I don't think anybody can deny that they were very interested in him mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but they ultimately determined this is not worth it and making but can I ask can I ask you a question so, like if you if it was just RJ and three picks but you got to keep quickly you keep Grimes Oh, I already did it. I already in did hindsight, it. so you would do it. In hindsight, in hindsight, in hindsight, yeah, yeah. I would have done it. I would have done it. I would have yeah. did that. Yeah, 
if it's just RJ and three picks, oh hell yeah! And like you know, Phil, it, it, it you would have to put Fournier, yeah. but like you would keep yeah. quickly. Yeah, I would do that. I would yeah, do that right now, yeah. For sure. Like I, I think yeah. you have to. Do you have to give up Mitch? No, no, that changes it. But I, but I'm but I'm starting. Okay. Then I would start Brunson and uh, Mitchell and put Grimes at the three. It'd be small, but I do. That. And I, I will say this: I think one of the things that um is worth mentioning is like I, I want to bring this up. I, I think we can wrap up with this. Um. We've seen a bunch of games now where the Knicks don't have Julius Randle. Not a bunch, but a couple games, right, where we don't have Julius Randle. And this is now, I think this is Obi Toppin's 12th career start. And you mentioned, you you touched on this earlier. When Obi starts, when you know he's going to play a bunch of minutes, when he can get into the rhythm of a game, when he can get in and he can start, you know, he knows, like, if I miss these two shots, I'm still going to get another few minutes here. When he doesn't have to play with that kind of, like, weight of the world on his shoulders type of thing, you see a different player. And mm-hmm. I think stylistically, at least for me, and again, this is a very small sample size, so I don't even necessarily 100% know that I feel this is definitely the case. But, like, you see how much more space there is on the floor. And forget the space. Yes. There, there, no, much better. The spacing is better. I think the decision-making, you watch the tempo with which the next play. And I'm not just talking about, how many possessions they get up in a game. But I'm talking about in the half court, how much more the ball moves side to side, how much more it's quick, it's quick. I get the ball, swing. I get the ball, drive. Like, it's not a guy, there's not... There wasn't a pun. Yeah, no, but there's not two guys. Like, with Brunson and Randall, it's two guys that like to really... Yeah, they'll use up the whole clock. They they like to... But even, that's another thing. Hold on, hold on. Randall didn't play against Cleveland. Brunson played a lot faster. Okay. Like I, I get you get to see what this is like, and I think what you see is like that Brunson had the game he had against Cleveland isn't because Obi Toppin started that game. Obi Toppin only played seventeen minutes that game, but I think what you see is like when Brunson is empowered as like clear cut number one guy. And you put him with these guys who play with more tempo and make quicker decisions. I feel like the potential for that group, and it might involve upgrading on Obi Toppin, upgrading on RJ Barrett, whoever it is, eventually in a trade or whatever the hell, however you do it. I think the potential for that group is higher than the, and this has been effective, so I'm not knocking Tibbs or the front office or anything. I think the ceiling for that play style, that group, how they would play, how they can progress forward, is higher than the grinded out, ISO heavy, slow it down, we're going to beat the shit out of you stuff that we see when we play with Randall, which plays to Randall's strengths. So it's like, you play to his strengths, I get it. I just think it's a totally different style, and I wonder if, like, I'm not, you know, Randall is not David Lee and Obi Toppin isn't Draymond Green. But, like, I wonder if there is something there to the idea of, like, putting a team with Jalen Brunson as his best player in a different context than the one that we saw this year isn't worth considering as an option, especially because Julius Randle's played great this year. And I, I this is not a backhand account. He's been great this year. You rehab his value, right? Like, part of the argument for keeping him last summer that a lot of people made was, you're going to trade him, you're going to have to give up stuff to to get off his contract now, you're trading him at a low, let him play with Brunson, see how he responds to having a true floor general, whatever. 
you did it. He's he was an all star, a deserved all star this year. He might make an all NBA team this year, which would be deserved as well. His value has rehab. You did it. You did the hard part. Now the hardest part is like, do you consider trading him for plus value, which may be available to you? And if so, like, do you like? And and you would only do that if you really believe that this addition, like this, a, a different roster construction, I guess, a, a different style of play could unlock a higher upside of your team. And I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's an interesting thing to consider. Well, let, let me ask you, do you think Boston would do him for Brown straight up? If they think Brown's going to leave, I think you have to consider that at least, right? Especially if, if Julius is all NBA again this year? I think you have to consider it because one, Julius is locked in, which is nice for them, right? They don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to leave in two years, three years, whatever. The other part, too, is like the four is their most problematic position because Al Horford, who is shooting the shit out of the ball this year, he's like 36, 37. I think the defensive drop-off with him has been noticeable to me when I've watched him this year. Um, Grant Williams, bless his soul, um, not sure he's the one. And, like, that's a problem spot. Randall's 28. He signed up until 31, 32. So you're basically locking in his prime years here. It's definitely worth considering. And, like, a straight-up scenario, it's not an atrocious idea, uh, especially if you think mm-hmm. Brown is going to leave. I think it's and, – and for the Knicks, like, I'm sorry, but when I see these, like, more mobile units around Brunson, I just get – like, uh, to me, that's just a more – I think there's more upside there than – You're saying he gets unlocked, right? Yeah, he and gets it's unlocked not just him. Like, I feel right? like – like, I think you bring a lot of things to the table – like defensively, especially, I like the flexibility they have with these mm-hmm. smaller, and not just smaller, forget, fuck smaller, that's the worst way to describe it, but more mobile, active defenders around Brunson. I really think they benefit from it. And they, and, you know, even if their defensive rating is stays the same, they're so much more versatile in what they can do defensively. Like the mm-hmm. level they were trapping at against Cleveland, I've not seen that from the Knicks ever under tips. The, the Knicks play like a very, this is what we do, and we do this all the fucking time. That was totally different. That was like, we're going to trap Garland and Mitchell at the top of the key, and then we're going to let you go for V3, but we're going to bet we can keep making those rotations and bother you, and you have to make three, four, five plays before you get a clean shot off. And like, I don't know, I just see that stuff, and that's exciting to me. And it's like, it's not really a knock on Randall. I just think Players impact how you have to deploy your talent. And Randall is, for better or worse, like, he takes a lot of the oxygen in the room, right? Like, he is the center of the universe at times when he is on the floor for the Knicks. And so you have to cater to him. That's part of us. Every star gets catered to to a certain uh, degree. And Mm -hmm. I just think, like, I don't know. It just, it's hard for me to shake that feeling. And this is an inherent bias as somebody who, like, was very much like get rid of Randall last summer. Like I move on. I don't like this. Um, so maybe that that crops up as soon as I see like Obi Toppin have two good games. I'm like, well, what if what if we just go back to that? Uh, I, and I don't know, but like I, I just think it's worth considering. I really do. Hmm. I mean, we'll see. If the Celtics don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, it's going to be a disappointment. Oh yeah, it really since they were in the finals last year and every and they got the same team. So. Um, 
it could be if they lose in the second round that, that you're going to see some movement because, like he's, I think we're all agreed, Brown does not appear happy for sure. And so if that is going to be worse, they're going to, and he's going to play out next season and he's going to leave and walk for nothing. So they're smart. I think Brad Stevens is smart. He's going to make a move and see what they can get from him. Julius Randle, you know, with all of his stuff, like you said, for all the reasons you said, he would fit there perfectly. If it, you know, he would fit there and he would, Brown would fit with us perfectly. Of course, we have to do something with RJ. I don't know what they do, but um, you put Brown there and then you put, you give Obi the other side, we'd be in good shape. I think RJ looks pretty good at the four. It, it, op- small ball, small ball. It, it opens yeah. up. It just, but again, mobile. And he's just, I mean, I wonder if he would rebound better at the four too, because like, I think when he's, when your role is a little bit more defined in that perspective, I, I think he hasn't like been RJ as great a rebounder. Well, I think at the three, like one thing that's been criticized is that he, like his rebounding hasn't been as great as you would hope, but he, he you're tasked with a lot of responsibility on the perimeter. So if he was in that position as the four, um, you know, there were times against Cleveland, it didn't work out well. Um, but, um, but I wonder if he would be, you know, with kind of more of a, a, a focused, I don't want to say limited, but a focused responsibility. I think he's like, I don't think he's like, like, I think when he boxes out, his technique is good. I think he's strong enough to box out. Um, you know, I think that could work. Yeah. I mean, it, hmm. it's, All right, that's possible. That is it's possible. just, it, it'll, it'll always intrigue me because we've never really seen it. Um, and I'm open to just being people being like, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? But, you know, I, I can't deny that, like, it's not so much a Randall thing as more of just, like, a play style thing. Um, a space, it's a spacing, spacing. thing. Too, yeah. Here, here's, here's where I would push back. It's not so much that it's a crazy idea because Randall is that good. It's more that we have seen Randall play with a fast pace. We saw it for, like, it was like a month or two last year. So here's the two things. The one thing is, like, I think Randall's capable of playing like that. And if, if he comes back healthy against Cleveland, I absolutely think the way that worked, like, how much of a game changer it is to get Brunson matched up onto Donovan Mitchell. Oh, my God. By the way, he or to get Like, he straight Yeah, up, but a lot of... Like, he flambéed. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, that was It was insane. almost like we'd seen it. It was almost like we'd seen it <laughs> yeah. before. You know, like last year. Um, before, you know, um, you know, before Mark Cuban decided to buy Twitter blue. Um, but, um, you know, the point, the point is like getting, or even when he, forget Don, Donovan Mitchell, like if Brunson is downhill and you're, and he's at the, if you, if Brunson gets the free throw line and there's no one like on his grill, you've lost the position. That's like where I'm at. And, um, and so it, like, and that's the thing, like early in the season, we were like, well, they play ISO because of Brunson and Randall. And I like I, to your point. I think that without Randall, it's like no. Brunson likes to push, and maybe it's true with Randall without Brunson. But the other the the thing is, I've seen Randall play with a fast pace, and I think he's even he's he's not the same type of he does, he's not going to get the alley oops that Obi does, but he's capable of that. I don't think that's an issue. Um, you know, you might have to sub him a little bit more, but that's fine. What was interesting to me is that like after that hectic herky-jerk pace of the Cleveland game, the first half, Brunson, like, I'm like, sure, you don't watch the game, but, like, Brunson was just short on, he airballed a floater from, yeah, like, eight it. feet. Yeah, he was missing um, a lot of chippies. He was missing chippies, like, he had a wide-open three that he just hasn't missed this year. Like, like the uh, Washington just decided not to guard him. He was not even close, it was way short. 
So I do wonder how sustainable that is for him. So those would be the two things I would bring up. But I think like what's really interesting is can you get Randall to play that play style? And it doesn't have to be. I don't think it doesn't can. have to be all the time. I'll tell you why because I don't think his processing speed is good enough. Like the difference between him and Obi is Obi, he's not going to be the individual shot creating talent that Randall is, but he just everything. Everything is quick. Everything is fast. And that is, I think that I, I've talked. I can't believe I talked for like twenty fucking minutes and I couldn't come up with this until now. But like that is very specifically what I wonder. Like it, I think that. But hasn't that been the biggest improvement in Randall's it game? It has, like, but you still... On the short roll, his processing is much better this year. We still see at the end of games, end of quarters, pretty consistently, he's st- his decision-making isn't great. And I think for as much improvement as he's made as a processor, you still see... How many times a game do you see him draw the double, draw the double, then he can't just make the simple swing pass out, right? He's got to step through the double, jump in the air, and then throw it to somebody across the court. It's like, he can never just... He never makes the simple play, which effectively is trusting your teammate to capitalize on advantages and build on them. And I think that is a limit. I think that really is limiting, um, unless you are so great individually that you can that it's worth it. Like it's wor- like I, I think not not that Kawhi is. I think Kawhi is one of one in terms of you know in this generation as like a ISO mid post scorer type of dude, but like he does slow the game down. Like he 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 brings things to a halt, and when you feed Kawhi a lot, it gets into an ISO IV offense. Kawhi is what we would have all hoped Melo right. would. If Melo, in a modern sense, I think he would have right. become. And, and I and and, I, and and really like what I'm saying is like if Julius was such a great offensive talent that it he's walked that it, line it, though he's been close. It walked that line. Do you but like honestly like do you do you what do you like I I feel like pretty confident. Jalen Brunson can be a top two or three guy on a very high level contending team. I believe that. We haven't. I think if you if you have the right, team, I still you've been the top I still have player. a lot of reservations about Julius, and I won't I won't stop having those reservations until I see him in the playoffs, and it doesn't look like it did. And 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 honestly, I I cannot shake this feeling. But since that first half against Miami on whatever the hell it was. It's on Wednesday. I mean, that was like as bad of a Julius performance as we had seen, and it looked a lot like that guy in that Hawk series. And we know that was a big game. We know that there was a lot of talk before the game. You know, the Knicks must win. Blah 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 blah. It looked like a guy that was tight and that was feeling the pressure, and that stuff worries me. I'm, I can't, I can't deny that, and I and I, I won't. Like I, I'm 100 percent open here. Like that game definitely. It's ingrained in here now. I like need. I need I, I to see he, Julius in the playoffs, and I need to see him play. He doesn't need to, to be the same guy he's in the regular season, but he's got to be a good player. He's got to be way better than he was, obviously, in twenty twenty one. And I just need to see the decision making, the effort. I mean, the defensive stuff against Miami was insanely bad to watch. Some of his efforts in that game were like there was one play where he literally just stood in the paint and ignored Cody Martin who got wide open in the corner for a jumper. And I'm like, what, like yeah, he, he doesn't add value on defense at a position where it's pretty important to add value. He does value. when he cares. That's what the most frustrating it? part. That's the most frustrating but that, part. That's, but that's, your, that's yeah. your point. Like that, if he doesn't do it consistently, he doesn't do it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of, that's part of it. But the other thing, like to me, it's less, I, I think that if he plays next to Brunson, he's going to get enough. He's not going to shoot 
whatever he did against Atlanta, 33%. I think it's can you win in different ways, right? So if you play the Cavs, can you play fast? Um, I think if, like, of the teams that they would face that are above them, right? Against the Cavs, I'd want to play fast. Against Boston, I'd want to play fast. Against Philly, I'm not so sure I would, or that it's as important. Um, and against Milwaukee, I don't know that there's a good strategy. I think it's important against Philly because Joel Embiid, that motherfucker don't want to be running up and down the floor. With these guys. Yeah, but that's more of a Mitch yeah. thing than a, than a Randall thing. But the, the point I'm making is like, what? so I think that to your point, I would agree with it from the perspective of, can is there another guy who can give you the opportunity to play fast and slow? Um, it's hard to find those guys too, tough. to be fair. I mean, like if you talk about Porzingis, he gives you more spacing. Yeah. Right, he's not a great transition player. Yeah, and and actually, um, and I will say this too: like we mentioned, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown isn't exactly a great processor either. So, like, if the argument I'm making, right, is that like I think, you know, going for a more a better high or a more high level processor in that spot that Randall is in, it, it would be wrong for me to to say that and then suggest also that Jalen Brown is the answer. Um, I, no, no, yeah, no but, I, but yeah. Brown Brown is a way better consistent effort on defense. Which we don't get. I agree, and I, I just, yeah, and he opens yeah. up the floor in a way that's very like I know Randall's shooting yeah. a high volume from three, and it's effective. He's been good this year, but like, I still don't. I, the spacing is just different. Like, I, I don't care. Yeah. It's just totally different when you have these smaller looks. Even though, like, like we know Josh Hart, that guy. If I had a dollar for every time he decided not to take a wide open three, I'd be a very rich man. Uh, but Shout like, out Pablo Prigioni. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, even when he does that. The floor is different. Like it, it is. It is more open. And, and like, look, we've seen the lineups with him and RJ. And I'm like, even when they were Brunson, I'm like, I don't. I know that neither of these guys is getting respected as a shooter, but it still feels different. And I can't quite put my finger on how to verbalize that effectively. And it could be a variety of different things. And it could be a variety of different potential players that you could sub in for Julius if you were to look to move him this summer. That maybe provide the type of impact I'm talking about but like it, it's not an easy decision to make for sure and it's not one I'm even necessarily convinced they have to make I just think one you should be open to it and two until I see him play well in the playoffs I'm just gonna always have that in the back of my head it's just something I can't shake because again like that Miami game that was a that haunted me like but Brunson didn't play no this right? no Brunson played the Miami game he didn't play down the stretch uh, you played it, but, but, it was yeah, but but yeah. like, about, yeah, you're talking about the first half of the yeah. yeah it it was just like watching that game. I was like, I like that first quarter. I tweeted something out during the first quarter. I was like, I have no fucking idea what Julius is doing out there tonight. That's how it felt watching him. I was like, I don't understand his decision making. You think that maybe the ankle was already bothering him at that? I point? I don't think so. That this was not that that did not look like a that looked like a very disengaged guy. That that's the part that worries me. I'm like, how are you disengaged during this game? Like, it's a weird one, man. He's a weird, he's a weird dude. Like, he's clearly like, and he's to his credit, he's dealt with a lot of this stuff. You know, he's talked about it, and I, I give him a ton of credit for that. Um, I think it's really pretty awesome that he bounced back from the season he had last year and delivered the season he had this year. That says a lot about him um, and the work he's put in both on the court and obviously mentally, which he's talked about. But like, I don't, I just, it's so hard to fully trust him. Really. That's all, ultimately what it comes down to for me. It's like, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't have a good feeling about it. 
which is why I need to see the playoffs. I got to see him in the playoffs. I got to see how he does. I got to say, I want to see how he responds because we know that defensive game plans in the playoffs are totally different. Teams know they know they're going to take away your first option. They're going to take away your second option. They're going to make you go to your third, fourth, fifth stuff that you like to do. Your one dribble yeah. pull up, your two right. Who you are at the elbow, but like we like. Julius struggled with that last time he was in. And this time, obviously, we have Brunson, which should, which should help him. But I still wonder. I don't know. I, I, we, I, could just, I keep saying the same shit over and over again, but it's just an interesting thing. I, I think he's, he's generally a different player when somebody else sets him up. I think the idea that the Knicks should be able to go fast and not be constrained by anyone is worth bringing yeah. up. I think where I'm more optimistic is I don't think... like If, if Tibbs was like, dude, run the fucking floor... If I like, if Tibbs actually said, "You you jog up the floor," um, like, and Cleveland can double Brunson, or like they can still get to their matchups even when we push, and you're gonna sit. Uh, if he if he does those kind of things, like I think he's he's fully capable of those things, and I think the processing speed is, but like a lot, but I also push back a lot of Toppin's like addition on the transition is just running the floor and going hard it's not always th- i think the processing i think shows up even more in the half court which i think julius is i think that's in. part of pace so, i think pace is like pace to me isn't just about the number of possessions you get up like i always used to say that they say this about the spurs when they were at their best the spurs at their best played with pace even though they were a slow pace team yeah because they when they were in transition and not yeah. just that in the half court how many set like it's like we were on a set didn't happen. Go to your second set. Go to your third set. Like they got to so many options. And I feel like when you play yeah. with and this is not just on Randall. This is also partly on when you play with Brunson and Randall, I feel like you get one set and if that doesn't work, you get swing it to one guy and they ISO and that's that. And like it's a weird thing. I mean again, it's not just Julius. Tibbs is the coach. He dictates play style. Jalen Brunson also likes to pound the ball a lot. So like RJ Barrett has obviously had his issues this year in many ways offensively. So it's not just on Randall, to be fair to him. It's just But if there's if there's one thing, I don't know if this is a Randall thing, but what I've noticed of late, I, I tweeted about this. The Knicks have been much better at relocating. So like IQ has like IQ is not a blow by guy, right? Like even now, like he's a quick guy. Like unless it's a mismatch, like he's not he's usually like he likes a screen, he likes to do those things. So he gets stopped on a lot of his drives. And I've seen a lot more of those end with RJ lifting or Grimes lifting or Hart lifting and giving an outlet that isn't just an, like it used to be early in the season or even last season, especially, you know, he'd get stopped and he'd have to like throw a, a looping pass close to the half court. Now those are turning into threes because you can, you can point to all of those and you'd be like, oh, the defender fell asleep. But the defender fell asleep because there's 10 eyes on quickly. There's 10 eyes on Brunson. I don't know if this is related to Randall, but I'm seeing a lot more relocation and lifting and guys like taking advantage of the fact that even if it's a momentary distraction from their guy, and I think to your point, that's part of pace in the half court. That's part of the fact that when one action doesn't work, there isn't this lag to the next action. It's just that next action flows immediately into another one because somebody else took advantage of an opening. And um, I don't know, maybe that is Randall related. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where uh, Raw Hebrew went, but um, I guess it's probably a good place to end it anyways. Um, Stacey, let the people know where they can find you and uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, uh, Stacey Patton 89. I'll plug all the good work at the Strickland 
and uh, Jeff Strickland. Uh, yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Uh, this was fun. Uh, I will plug all the work of the Strickland draft stuff. I know. Um, I, I think you said that you were going to be on a draft Strickland coming up soon, uh, if I remember correctly. No, I, that one. Okay, so yeah, so, so uh, yeah, uh, I have not listened to that yet, but check that out. I'm sure it's very good. Uh, and I know Prez did one with Chris last week that I also haven't checked out, but apparently that was really good too. So definitely check out the draft stuff. I know uh, it looks like the Knicks may not have a pick because our Dallas Mavericks are continuing to flounder. Um, but but um, yeah, there there's still a lot of great content going out there. Obviously, very happy the Knicks make the playoffs. Uh, look out for all of our preview stuff on there. And um, yeah, all right. Well, that's our pod for today. Hope everybody has a great night. And I will see you next